0: Sickly
1: voice to do the intro. You, you want me and my sickly voice to do the intro?
0: Yeah.
1: This doesn't sound like me at all.
0: Does a say,
2: little
1: bit. Say hi. My name is. Uh, uh, the, put the the deep voice on. Hi. My name is Phil Wolf, and this is Nixon's St- No. Hello. My name is Phil Wolf. I'm sickly. I'm as always. I'm joined by Mr. Justin Smith, and this is Snakes and Stogies, episode 150. The hundred the hundred and fiftieth episode.
0: The one that Phil was like, we should do something special for it. And I was like, yeah. But here we are.
1: Yeah, I got man flu. That was That's what's special.
0: <laughs> Bill Bradley's going to be joining us here any moment. I'm waiting on him to pop on. Uh, this episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. We say it every week, and there's a reason we do, because they're awesome. Check them out. You won't regret it. Use the code THN at checkout love your new rack and cage blackbuzzcage.com that's right i think jake and i are going to try we haven't really talked about it yet and try and head up there next month pick up some stuff nice i'm currently sort of trying to plan out this percentum cage like i want to want to incorporate bamboo somehow
1: dude i was just talking like I, was it with you and dr wyman about the bamboo stuff
0: Yeah, where Wyman was like, "Be careful with bamboo because it'll grow exponentially fast than you expect it to."
1: Yeah. So, uh, talking about like it growing through a cage, and my buddy Chris was telling me that he did that, and he wasn't paying attention, and like it got to the point where it got up to the top of the cage. Like, obviously, it's not going to necessarily go through PVC, but it, hundred percent broke. It broke the seam of that cage. Wow. Like, cause it, and he noticed. He was like, "Man, why is it? Why does it look bent?" You know, that that's why. So, hmm.
0: well, you know where they don't have bamboo, or at least I think they don't.
2: Hmm.
0: The Puget Sound.
1: They don't have. Um, they are not supposed to. How about that?
0: They may have bamboo growing up there. I mean, supposed to, but if you want to find out for yourself, check out Puget Sound pythons. Also on Facebook and Instagram. Um, see some gandos. bamboo. See some orcas. I think wolves and polar bears. I don't know exactly what goes on up there. Certainly some bald eagles. If you're feeling particularly patriotic
1: coffee and patchouli oil.
0: I, I guess, I don't know. Definitely. That's a, he's seen bamboo there. They're not even free of it. You could probably go to the North pole and it's probably growing somewhere. It's yeah. There's a just little, leaves. will sprout.
2: Yeah. No, leaves.
0: but that was, that was like what I wanted. Cause we have around the corner from the house, there's some people that have a ton of bamboo growing in one like big patch. And so I was like, a I I want to figure out if I can, if there's any like downed bamboo sections that I could use somehow. And then to get some of like the leaves, like dried leaves mm-hmm. and put those on the substrate. I don't know. So like I, I got that, that old world rat snakes book that I've been wanting for at least a year. Plus finally yeah, the, got, the, it. finally came Oma in. One, right? Yep. And, uh, in that section on Percentum, you know, they talk about like bamboo forests or something they frequent. Oh, so nice. Like, How cool would it be? Cause it's going to have, the cage is going to have UV. It's going to have LED. It's not going to have a heat panel cause they don't, you know, they're good. Um, yeah. But I was like, if I could figure out a way to just sort of recreate almost like a bamboo thicket type deal. And I don't, I don't know what bamboo people use that's growing in there that fast. Cause I just imagine the little bamboos in the clay pots you get at, like, Lowe's? Yeah. A little yeah. zip tie or twist tie thing around the pole? Like, is that, mm-hmm. what, is that what I mean, reason
1: I mean, I, I think people, like, I know people buy seed, like, little seedlings where it's, like, it's not a seed per se, like, a germinated seed. It's basically the beginning stalk that they plant. Like, they put the whole thing in dirt, and it works its way out, you know? Um, but I imagine if you, I, actually, come to think of it, When I lived at my parents' house, I had a TV vision with a cobra in it, and I bought one of those little bamboo pots that's like the size of like a little ashtray with the 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 decorative we were just talking about, and I buried that whole thing in the substrate, and it grew like I don't know, maybe two foot, and then I I killed it.
0: Very fast.
1: No, I I don't think it's the same as like what we're thinking, you know.
0: But my idea too was is to find. Get like a maybe a a thin sheet of PVC and screw into the bamboo from the base. So they're basically on like a plate. Like they're standing pieces of bamboo on like a plate that can be covered with the substrate. Right, right. And find some way to incorporate like those crepe myrtle branches that I have, the perches that I've been making. Sure, sure. I don't know. So I have like a rough idea in my head of what I want to do. And, you know, having live like growing bamboo would be cool and all. But if it's going to be a thing where I have to constantly babysit it, because um, like when I Wyman told me, he's like, you got to be careful because it'll, you know, it'll break your cage. I was like, no way. And then he, he sent some link or something about bamboo that grows like two feet a day or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Like yeah. Just- you,
1: can, you can literally if you have enough time, you can sit back and watch it grow. Like, if you had, like, an eight-hour day where you're just going to sit in a lawn chair and just watch it, you could watch it grow, which is crazy.
0: But I agree. Um, You know, it does look cool, but it's also super invasive. And once it's growing, it's almost like elephant ears. Like, once you see them growing, good luck getting them gone without just going scorched earth on that entire section of of lawn because you can think you got them all, and then you'll have five more pop up. Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: Well, what's interesting, what I was going to say is is that I'm actually, uh, because I'm starting to, what's up, Billy boy? Hello. Um, I'm starting to piece together my decor for my black box cages, right? Mm -hmm. And Kyle is awesome enough to send me landscape photos of the localities of the rattlesnakes that I have that he took. So I'll get those made of those sticker, those vinyl decal for the back of the thing. Like I did with the other with the Ringos cages. And uh, I'm going to do that for each locality. What I was thinking, what you should do is you should do the same thing of like a bamboo forest, but like not cliche, like from ground level, you know, and then do your your dead bamboo screwed down to like give the depth of it. You know what I mean?
0: Well, I wonder if there was a way, like if I, maybe if I found like a shade of green that was very similar to that, because that bamboo that's growing around the corner is like a very deep green. Mm. I found a similar color and then coated it with the same poly that I used to coat these perches, which is animal safe, you know, after three days or so of drying out, it's fine Yeah, to preserve that color. And then have it to where it goes, maybe to where there's enough clearance to where the snakes don't get stuck between, you know, because they climb. Like, those yeah. Per, like, Percentum's climbing on the vents of that Bio G all the time, the little ledges. Mm-hmm. He just loves hanging out on those. Um, maybe leave enough clearance to where I don't have to worry about them getting stuck, but you still have that lip on the top that would kind of block the view and make it look like it goes all the yeah. way up. To that's, so that's exactly what I was thinking. Bill, have you ever done bamboo in any enclosures?
3: I did bamboo in my backyard that I transplanted from a backyard in Kansas. And then I had, um, I've done dead bamboo as hides and things um, built small stuff for rat snakes. Mm -hmm. It's that's cool. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it, there's a reason everybody uses the fake stuff, right? Like if you're going to grow it in your yard as a privacy screen, it's amazing and then like I I have struggled to grow it indoors for whatever reason Um, I can grow banana trees and other ridiculous crap I've really struggled to grow that and then when you get the dead stuff if you aren't purposely building like you could build it or I could how I built it was small things like if I were looking at dart frogs or micro geckos where their enclosure looks more like a diorama of a little like, oh, if you just look down right here, you would see this edge of mud and some dead crap yeah. laying there. Like that like looks fallen log. It looks mm. correct, you know, if you just put it in the frame of the enclosure you're looking at. Yeah. Um, but anytime I tried to build it in something larger, it looked like I was making snake perches out of bamboo. Like it just it was hard for me to not make it look like somebody built it.
1: I was also wondering if you had a bunch of dead and dried bamboo where it gets like super rigid, like what they Mm -hmm, make like boken out of, Uh, could you dye it? Like the same, like I use Rit dye in boiling water. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty large container of hot water, but like, I wonder if you could could use, yeah, like if you just filled your bathtub with like really hot water, scalding hot water, it doesn't have to be boiling and just laid those tubes in there with the colored dye and you could you could time it too because like the longer it sits in the dye the darker it gets i wonder if that dye would actually like impregnate in the dead bamboo you know
3: so i
0: would honestly rather paint it and then just coat it mm, we're going that route
3: what if you stained it instead could yeah. you even, I don't, could you're you even stain it or,
0: though because of how like how it's already
3: Glossy, I don't know,
0: pretty I've glossy. Never, like I yeah, don't see it. that really sticking to it unless you sanded it down real good. Where's Harry? Harry's a wood, woodsman, a woodworker. Yeah. Harry
1: is also a woodsman, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the plate idea kind of it might be the way to go.
1: I think the plate idea is a fantastic idea. I got to okay. be honest. I'll toot my own horn and say that I think if you got the right bamboo forest picture to put on the back and then you had enough layers of the of the bamboo oh, yeah. on the plate i think it would give that depth it would give that mm-hmm. like you yeah. know
3: yeah if you're just talking about depth of field looking through a door
1: of an yeah. enclosure yeah yeah for sure mhm and i mean i wouldn't and i wouldn't get like the cliche one off of like uh, uh, getty images or anything i would find like find a photographer who, who, who's like a maybe a herper or a birder who found like that forest floor, ground level bamboo. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'm just trying to sort of plan out how big of a plate it would be, and when I say plate, like how big of a sheet? Yeah. Of, of like thin PVC it doesn't have to be anything crazy, um, and then I'd get. Different size diameters of bamboo and kind of play with it. I don't know. I've just I've been thinking about it a lot, and I want to I want to do it. They already have. I'm trying to get some pothos growing that are going to go in there for sure. Um,
1: is that native for them?
0: Probably it's pothos. Oh. Again, another species that probably is in the North Pole, growing somewhere, impervious.
1: Meanwhile, it dies in my bathroom.
0: See, I just I don't know. Like I'm not. I'm not going to the the, um, the the, hardcore levels of making sure it's native stuff. Like, I just want it to look good and have yeah. some nice visual barriers for him. And even though it's funny, I walk in now and he's on that little ledge of the, the uh, you know, the lip of the fence screens in that BioG. And he just stops and you see his eyes like, <laughs> like you can legit see him like. He doesn't want to move his head, but you can see his eyes like trying to you, look back at you. He said, Yeah. <laughs> and you see his head side kind of flatten out a little eye. bit. And he's like, Get away from me. Female, I just don't see. She stays in her hide all the time. So I'm like, Whatever. Fine mm. by me. If I can't see you, that probably means you're happy.
1: Yeah, right. So what's new, Billy Boy?
3: I was late uh, because well, twofold. Uh, Teresa is in the process of building a filter out of a five-gallon bucket for some alligators and there is a um, zoo facility in Illinois that is closing and so uh, the disposition of their animals and then the enclosures um, trying to figure that out and then obviously our facility is not Za or AzA, but um, how the dissolution of that type of facility is a lot. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been getting a lot of texts and messages, and I've had a phone call to try and figure stuff out. So we will. What uh, is think. is
0: there like a certain protocol that people have to go through with that kind of thing if they're in a certain bracket? Which, um, I mean, obviously, it's like okay. So, like <laughs> hypothetically, if if the Jacksonville Zoo closed tomorrow, well, like surely they're not just going to be sending...
3: So this around. is actually an interesting topic, and it kind of fits the Snakes and Stobies vibe. Um, the AZA and ZAA, I have neither of those things. Um, What's ZAA? It's the poor like the minor person's leagues? AZA. Yeah, I guess. JV League. Um, yeah. So here's the funny thing. Um Yes, but no. Um, the Aza is just an accrediting organization that your facility can choose to belong to that or not. Whatever you choose to do, and you pay to belong to that, and it's then basically
0: an HOA for Zeus.
3: Yep, yeah. So the the part if if you're actually in this part of the life, um, it's not. Like always a cool thing. The on the government side of things, it does sometimes help you because the USDA and fish and wildlife and these type of folks are more likely to allow you to do things if you are a member of that particular organization. Right. However, it isn't a requirement. And it oftentimes gets worded like it's a requirement. Right. Right. It's not. Um, and you pay to be a member of that. And you also, when you are a member, then have to comply with all their things. And so the ZAA is talked about like it is lesser than or whatever you want to say it. Um, because the f- the fees are cheaper is straight up what the deal is. Um, however, the requirements are almost entirely the same, but the differences are, very specific in care for the animals and and the way you're able to interact with some animals. Uh, the particular facility that I am am talking with folks about right now, uh, they went ZAA, uh, because of the protocols involving venomous animals. Um, the curator of this particular facility felt that the ZAA, uh, protocols were better and he felt more comfortable and, and safer working the way that they work. Um, any, like they're all cool. Everybody that I was working with, they don't always get along. But he, you know, he just, hey, this is the way I chose to go because of how I work animals, how my veterinary mm-hmm. team works animals, matched with what ZAA asked of us. Um, cool thing is, almost I think everything, but maybe two massasagas, went to Kentucky Reptile Zoo from this particular facility a few years ago uh, in preparation for. This future Mm. closing. Uh, So that was really neat that that they got a lot of really cool stuff in that process. And then, um, so anyway, so what happens is animals that are stud book registered, very rare, endangered species, things like that. um, If you're an AZA facility and you get a group of lions, whatever it is, who cares? Those aren't yours. Some of them are if you purchase them, but then because we're all AZA together, you guys are going to give me yours so I can do the breeding and then I'll give you some babies or whatever because we're all in the same club. So, in this instance, it was almost entirely reptiles and so crocodilians, things of that nature. Um, only a few of them belonged to this facility, the rest belonged to. AZA, ZAA, so on and so forth. And so when the facilities began the process of closing, those animals just have to go back to the people who technically... Their original homes. The thing people don't talk about is when you go on, and it's literally like a a little marketplace and posting pages for zoos of like, "Ah, I'm looking for uh, osteolamus. I'm looking for broad snouts. I'm looking for weird stuff, whatever. I'll send it to you. Uh, but I got a whole thing of chicken turtles and some red belly turtles and they got to go with it. And then you're like, what? Oh, okay. So like these things will show up at facilities and then it turns out it's four boxes. And they're like, I didn't, I don't want turtles. Like what? The yeah. Hell? You yeah. Know? So. I stuff. I'm probably not supposed to talk about on the internet. Uh, fine those fine. things have to go somewhere. And yeah reality is where they go is people like me. Um, if you are a licensed person, you are, a, have the things that you're supposed to have and you are trusted by zoological professionals, uh, things that are not on books can go places that are not on books is how that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, In this case, as the facility closes, it's actually the animals they purchased, um, personally or, you know, with it's city things. Uh, so with city funds, uh, to do educational demonstrations. And so those animals are able to be sold because they were purchased semi privately by a a town technically. Um, and so those things are potentially going to go to myself and, and some other folks that do what we do, um most of the, all of actually all of the crocodilians and and things like that are going to stay in ZAA and AZA facilities. Um, All the venomous were transferred to Kentucky reptile zoo. Uh, The few that weren't are Illinois native. So they'll probably go to IDNR uh, small like field stations to show stuff, things like that. So yeah, there's a lot of weird, I mean, well, Phil, you, I've heard you talk about it in the past, You know, different venomous things and, and things where it's like, oh, we could never really get those. And it's like, well, it turns out you can only store so many in a zoo and then they got to do something and they don't want to kill them. So they can. There's a process for them to sell them. So, and move things well, that's
0: why them. I wonder, like we have some animals that have certain like Mexican bears are a good example. There's San Antonio Zoo line bears. Yeah, so it's, that's how that I think, there's what some diamonds, I think, too. <laughs> I have
3: Illinois Zoo line alligator snapping turtles. I have an Illinois Zoo line water monitor. I, have, I think it, it
1: also comes down yeah. to, and this this is my personal opinion. I don't have any fact on this. I am not AZA or ZAA or any of that. This is my personal opinion. It also comes down to who's running the show at the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I have seen a lot of AZA and ZAA protocol that if the general public saw their protocol, there would be outrage like the euthanasia of endangered species or the culling of particular species because of a population, a a, a property carrying capacity, yeah. um, things of that nature, which have made me morbidly disgusted with said organizations. But I'm always open to learning more and, and supporting, you know, science and, and naturalism and conservation and all that jazz. But there used to be my segue to this is it used to be very lax. And basically yeah. from when I was younger, we used to get these, you know, the how do I phrase? this? OK, so the importers and exporters would have like a fax list, right? So if it was, you know, Phil's, Phil's Reptiles is importing a shipment from, you know, Uganda. And I know that I have 30 people that are going to want to buy from this Uganda shipment. So I have this one page that gets auto faxed to like 30 or 40 other pet shops. Right. And that's how they do the wholesale list. Well, at the same time, they would also snail mail it. They would they would hard mail it like in, in, in an envelope with stamps, you know. And uh, for, the, for those of you youngsters, that's the little little sticker that you lick the back of and put it on the outside of the envelope. Um, and then protected
0: like they're gold.
1: Yeah, right. Um, and then they would also do what they called zoo surplus. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened is, let's say, like, Miami Zoo you know, had five breeder pairs of zebras. And they're like, man, we have five newborn foal zebras. We don't have the space to keep all five. So we'll get rid of three of them. So what what happen is they would, this was, this was pre group chats, pre forums. Pre Tiger King. Yeah. Right. They would send out a letter to all the other AZA places. That does we, matter. Yeah. Because Miami zoo was, was, is, is still AZA. <laughs> right. And they would be like, Hey, any zoos in the US, we got three zebras. If you want them, you pay for the freight, they're yours because it's AZA. Yep. Well, if no zoo wanted those zebras, they would go to the zoo surplus. And we mm-hmm. would get this like three, like trifold pamphlet in the mail, like once a month. And it was basically a third party broker who would auction not auction sell flat out sell the surplus zoo stuff so Mm -hmm. if you wanted a baby zebra it was
3: like 250 bucks
0: what was the wildest thing you saw in there um
3: i can go to an auction in missouri and get you a giraffe i was gonna say giraffe is pretty good i've also seen a rhinoceros it's 50 grand though that
1: i believe that no i remember i remember giraffes were like Twenty five hundred bucks, something like that, for like a for like a, a weaned giraffe, like
0: just still like twelve feet tall.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, and you, you, and again, you still you still need permits and stuff. Like you right. still have to have you still have to have the ability. You can't just like stuff a giraffe in your it's apartment. On find you it off I mean? eBay,
3: you right, right? Realistically, only need a USDA Class C license to have mammals that are considered herbivores and not uh, incredibly dangerous. There's well, a certain list, and then you only have to meet their requirements, and it's much easier than people think.
1: Well, I was going to say is in Florida, Just, we have a hoofstock.
3: Shut up. Oh, by state. Yeah, way different.
1: Yeah. yeah. So like Florida has hoofstock. So like I know um, oh man, it was like maybe it was like 2005 or 2006. I think Lion Country Safari had like 15 extra kudu or something. And it was like
0: I remember going to that place.
1: 50 bucks ahead. Are you zoned for agriculture? Do you have a hoofstock agricultural license? 50 bucks ahead. It was like so all these like ranchers in mm-hmm. central florida they all have kudu and eland and Gemsbuck and uh cape buffalo because of all this zoo surplus they bought it they've raised their own stock and now they basically are farming them for exotic meat some of them do you know canned hunts whatever yep. um but Is that
0: how people ended up with cassowaries
1: no yep. Some, in, in some, some, yeah, but like I know the well, the, dude, the people that Matt and Jamie are friends.
3: Everything with. that we ask Phil has an asterisk next to it to say, "I live in Florida." There is a crazy <laughs> backstory.
1: So <It's> different. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there. Yes, there. Most of them are zoo stock, right? um I don't know. We got to ask Matt and Jamie. But the individuals that have the only single wattle cassowaries in the U.S. I think those were imported from, I think, maybe Australian Zoo Stock. I, I can't remember. But y- yes, they, they all came from Zoo Stock simply because it's easiest.
0: Why would you, you know? want one of those things? Like, they're cool. I know we've talked about it a million times. but it's like, yeah. well, me... well,
3: I mean, realistically. Well, it's a, it's a farm. It's time, a game bird in Florida. Yeah. When people were talking about. You know, are they ostrich, hunting you? Ostrich, ostrich really emu, rhea, those types. Like there, yeah. there is a niche secondary market in the agriculture for all sorts of things like that.
1: I mean, sure, sure. Yeah. One of the biggest emu farms in North America is in Prince Edward Island, Canada.
3: hmm
1: I don't even know. I don't know if it's still
3: there, but them
1: them farming some emus. Um. But There's what I actually? Gonna-
3: several facilities in Canada that do wallabies. Really. They can get thicker fur.
1: Oh yeah, that's crazy. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because and especially some of the southern southern region wallabies, they're, they're, yeah. it gets colder. There. But, yeah. There's a point to me bringing this up. We are talking about the AZA
3: practices.
1: Oh, oh yeah, so the surplus. So we would get this pamphlet in the mail, and you could buy a Thompson's gazelle baby for fifty bucks, which is crazy. Now you can't. Right. And uh, I actually just got an email from florida fishing wildlife that one of their next meetings which is always on a day and a time that no one can ever go to agenda push um that they're talking about new laws on captive wildlife rehabilitation because i guess every single native species it had i don't know if it had its own permit Or like there was a rehabilitation permit and you got like an endorsement for each species, something to that capacity. Um, But they're reviewing that because I think with the big cat stuff going away federally, as well as some of the social media aspect getting a little carried out of hand, I imagine that there is more rehabilitators. Well, that's yeah. Do
0: you think there was a large wave of people who were applying for that type of? Type of license when things started getting canned, and no, course, I
1: think like, I think I, I think it, it's my, again my personal opinion, and speaking solely for Florida, there's a lot of people that have rehab permits that the state's like, keep what you got, but you're done. You know yeah, what I mean? Mm-hmm.
3: So See, people people don't take that into account. So that's a thing in Illinois, right? So there are people that do what uh, Teresa and I do. And they have USDA permits. Right. Which are federal. So in Illinois, you can only do venomous that are native to North America uh, on on one particular type of permit. If you have 250 hours of accredited education, you're inspected and uh, carry insurance. And then our permit is a little bit different in that we do rear fang and and some other uh, crocodilians and so basically a level of risk type of thing sure Mm -hmm. so there are folks who kind of actively fight that like subterfuge i suppose sure they are usda class c exhibitors and are inspected as such and then so now the usda says because you have this type of enclosure locks lock hide box so on and so forth things that you you see phil talk about that meets the standard and now you can get a cobra according to them right in illinois you can't Mm. but because i have this now someone will ship it to me so it's this weird back and forth thing
1: sure it's then, like, the law.
0: It's, it's like asking your dad for permission to do something versus your mom because you know one's not going to say yes, right. or the other one will, and,
1: or, or or no. You 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 know mom's going to say no, so you ask dad,
0: right?
3: And it, there's a lot of really weird stuff when it comes to that, especially when you start to talk about mammals and and, and different things outside of reptiles to where, like, you're you're worried about hoofstock and these things, but it, that's all very state driven. And then yeah. they started to figure it out they're like, Oh, I rehabilitate animals. And so, on. because Illinois is like that too. And in, in Illinois, you cannot, you cannot possess a live native mammal of any kind. If you are on a zoological facility or a licensed state rehabilitator at all, none, um, you can hunt them, which means take them, By ending their life and then possess their carcass you cannot possess a live of it's like super crazy specific yeah to get your usda class c the easiest way to accomplish that is to already possess three exotic mammals which is easy because you can like guinea pigs count had like stupid things that people don't think about You keep them in a manner fitting USDA requirements, which for something like a guinea pig is not difficult. It's the exact same thing you get at Petco. It's just (laughs) locked. And then you apply. They inspect you and are like, oh yeah, you can do that. And now you can go get an elephant. As long as you have the inspection beforehand that says this paddock can fit an elephant, you keeping those guinea pigs and hedgehogs and crap qualified you to do that. And that permits only 500 bucks. And it is not by animal. It's a singular annual permit. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people really try to take advantage of those things. And it's one of those things where like Florida is a prime example of, it feels like that state is really hammering everyone. And in some, in a lot of cases they really are, but then you see stuff like that. And it's like, dude, are you being a jerk off to try and get a tiger? Like, I kind of well, want the state to smack you, but like I, you know, I feel
1: I feel like I, I really shouldn't talk about it about this this new discussion about rehabilitation stuff because a I'm not a wildlife rehabilitator, I'm not a rescue, I'm just Phil. Um, and B, I didn't read any of the fine print, I didn't read the, the proposed laws, I didn't read the statute numbers, I didn't read any of it. So, like again, this is all super grain of salt, right? Um, my take on it is that you have people that want it because of social media or because they saw someone else with it or whatever they
3: like tigers man i want to own tigers well, like,
1: and i'm uh, yeah i'm not they're even like going like yeah i'm not even going that extreme i'm talking about like raccoon like dude right. raccoons are all over instagram like everyone want their a, mother
0: want a possum
1: it, it, it possums exactly the same thing possum they too. breed so, skunks
0: like, in like
3: six or seven different color varieties now and they're actually so, super cool
1: well and just and skunks make absolutely great pets. And yeah, they're as you better
0: don't, than cats. Yeah, they're Didn't better than cats. And you have one at M Toxin.
1: I think he does. I think he still yeah. does. Yes. So, but again, you look at skunks that are bred for fur bearing, and mm-hmm. their surplus are then put into pet trade, right? Yeah. opposed to someone who's been feeding a raccoon in their backyard and got friendly with it. Yes. And now they, they say, oh, this this animal, oh, it's injured, it hurt its foot, and they bring it inside, and then right. they're like, oh, I can get a rehabilitation license, and now I got my raccoon. And right. like, that's that's no bueno. That's not cool. So yeah. I think that that's, that's a lot of what this is. You know what I mean? And it's not that they're... It's not necessarily that they're cracking down. Again, I didn't read the whole thing, so I'm no one to talk, but it doesn't look like they're cracking down per se it's more like hey these laws were always kind of you know implied no one really no one really cared now we have to put it in actual writing yeah and i think Mm -hmm. that's that's what they're doing on this at least on this one
3: and the thing about stuff like that was that laws like that have always existed right yeah it just never mattered because it was whatever small town you grew up in I guarantee you if you went to the gas station at a certain time, there's this crazy dude who probably had a possum or a raccoon. Sure. And everybody in your county knew who that guy was. And no one cared. They were like, oh, yeah, he lives in the weird house. Like, dude's got a possum. It's weird. Yeah. Um, Now, that guy's on TikTok. And yep. now, that's why it matters. Yep. It, it, yep. All the... And realistically, that's anything politically or legal, quasi-legal in the United States, like, everybody's always basically done their own underground crap, no matter what you're into. Sure. It's just now you put it on Instagram and then somebody calls fish and wildlife and they're like, do you know the dude next to me has an Eagle? And you're like, what, what, what <laughs> hell, where did yeah. that come from? My like God. I saw it on his Instagram. Like if you just kept it in his attic and shut up, nobody would know. Like, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. And here, I'll even give you a story. I'm quasi one of those guys, pre-instagram pre-facebook my friends were working on a construction site and they bulldozed a bunch of stuff and a my mom possum fell out of the tree and she got killed and my buddy would had the wherewithal to check the pouch and there was one baby in there and he took that baby out and he's like phil what do i do i got this baby and i was like give me the baby i made sure it was good it was already eaten like solid you know Mm -hmm. and uh i had him for i don't know two days and then i went up giving it to my friend chris's mom who is major wildlife all that stuff and uh, we named him dozer right and dude, this is the coolest virginian possum you've ever played with the thing was awesome dude man, they're, right? awesome. they're, they're awesome. awesome and she had dozer for probably maybe two years and then the state of florida passed a law saying it was illegal to keep Virginian right. possums period so at that point, she called a uh local wildlife uh like nature park thing mm-hmm. and said, Hey, I have this possum that's like bottle fed tame. Do you want him for you know exhibits and stuff? And they're like, Yeah. So now he's part of their like touch and play with the kids and all that, like what, like what you do, right? Yeah. So happy story, but that's an example of like what used to happen a lot now it's not now it's that possum doesn't go to the nature center when the laws get passed it gets thrown on tiktok and now everyone their mother is catching possums and having issues right. so yeah again yeah, exactly it, it used
3: to be only the weird kids like us that brought home toads and stuff eventually brought home a squirrel, and you're like, What the hell are you doing with a squirrel? Yeah, like you know, and horrible pets, by the way. Yeah, horrible, but like, horrible pets. That,
0: Owen seems up, to enjoy his. If you grew
3: up like this, you, you brought home weird stuff. Like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's one of those things where like we all have that one friend that brought home, and it's like it turns out when raccoons like girl raccoons, they don't like you. Like <laughs> there's you know, yeah, everybody right. had that life lesson of stay away from that cow for real. Like, Mm -hmm. but not well put you can't you you blast it all over social media and then it it's exponential right the that was a mistake that everybody grew up and made and nobody but like you your friends and your mom and dad knew now everybody knows and you have expanded the number of people that will make that mistake because they saw you doing it and thought it was a good idea so on and so forth. Yeah. And dude, government is always going to react hard to that because that's not something you can control. Like, look right. how many people dude. I did the, the retake video making fun of a bunch of people. And it got like, I'm at like 950,000 views or some ridiculous crap. Wow. And it's like, well, if you looked at that from the other side of I don't like snakes. I'm scared of them, so on and so forth. Or, or you're you're against that. That's a lot of people that might have thought that was a fantastic idea, and that's scary, you yeah. know. And then yeah. you make it something, Tiger King. You make it you know something truly dangerous,
1: right? Right.
3: And then yeah, you see how like the little Karen at the church gets scared by that. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah.
1: These snakes are
3: not or possible. Scars? <laughs>
1: Well, this has to do with you and your most recent proposed acquisitions.
3: Oh, yeah. My bad.
1: Yeah. I derailed that. (laughs) No, you didn't. It's round circle. We're in it. We're still in it. So are you at liberty to say what species you're getting? Or is that not Um, finalized quite yet?
3: There is a list. Uh, It would, it's, for me, it's, it's just going to be stuff to do shows. So different colubrids, uh, Rainbow boa type things, just All that right. kind of stuff. Um, sure, we we're pretty set for uh, ridiculous things at the moment. Um, I still have a very large enclosure in the basement that is uh, doesn't have residents yet, so that could that could accommodate something dumb if I came across it. Um, I just I didn't know no. if like
1: there was like uh, protected turtles that like your son was gonna dabble in or like no a lot to get of that stuff. Pool.
3: Um, we might help um house some of the native things that is a possibility. Um, just because we already have the permits and stuff in place for that, sure. Uh, And we are we actually already facilitate for some of the state folks. Um, like the there's a few places, so we're south of Chicago, and then the rest of Illinois is south of Chicago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so. Some of those places already come to us when they get new people, and they come tour with us, and we show them how to pick up snapping turtles and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so we might house some native things for that purpose. Um, anything that's state endangered typically would go to a state facility, but we can house that if if they need that. Cool. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, I, I would love to show it off, but I would. Way rather, all the venomous went to Kentucky Reptile Zoo. Like that's super cool. Um, yeah. The crocodilians, a lot of those are the same way. Like throughout the years, we've had some opportunities for some species. Um, we have the two gators now, and that's one of those things where I I can house those for the rest of their lives. They get twelve feet long, and weigh eight hundred pounds. It doesn't matter. I currently have the space to do that. Yeah, I do not currently have the space to house a uh, Cuban, or yeah. you know something truly large. Uh, and not that not a gator the not but and,
1: and not to not to poo poo the the possible danger of a gator, but there's a huge danger difference yeah. between yes. an American alligator and a friggin' Cuban croc. Yeah, like,
3: or, or really difference. any of those, like yeah. a, a, an alligator there. There is a reason that people use some of those species for those things. Alligator crocodiles in general are all intelligent and workable as far as training goes. Right. But is like St. Augustine, you know, all, all these different like you use alligators for shows because alligators are target trainable, station trainable. Not. Necessarily better than crocodilians, but the way that you do it is more conducive to them being around human beings. Sure, you know sure. crocod crocodilians, especially when everybody wants Cubans, everybody wants Siamese, everybody wants because nobody wants to deal with a Nile or a Salty in old age, yeah. because they're truly gigantic. So their thought process is, well, I don't want a gator. Everybody's got a gator, but I can't theoretically deal with a 25 foot crocodile so I'll get the in between ones which is dumb because Siamese are still yeah. at 18 and a Cuban that's 16 feet long can jump higher than you exactly. and so you, you get into these things where folks are like trying to hedge their bets or trying to make it easier on themselves and then not accounting for the fact that now you have to deal with a crocodile that jumps like yeah. that's you know, a, a crocodile
1: it, that will gallop after you
3: yeah. Cubans like legit, you know, and, and especially I, I hate when I, whenever I say this stuff in public, cause I, I do not want to encourage people to get crocodilians. They are bad pets. Um, alligators don't hunt large mammals yeah. and it's, they are not safe, but when you look at them in a spectrum of other crocodilians, they are safer than a crocodile species that actively hunts mammals, yeah. large mammals, yeah. Yeah. because you are a large mammal. <laughs> and right. I, especially people like me, I show kids, kids are small mammals. And it mm-hmm. like even an adult alligator, like I I'm, a, I'm a bigger dude. Teresa's a bigger chick. Like that's part of the reason we do bigger stuff. Like that we have just the physical things to do that. Um, but then when you expose that to smaller, smaller monkeys, you, you know, you have to take those things into account. And so it's one of those things where, like, at one time, it was half in jest, but I've told that story before. Like, we had the chance at an Orinoco, and it would have been an amazing display, but I would sure. never take that in public. You yeah, know? You, you that could defeat the you purpose couldn't. of doing what we do, you know.
0: Yeah. I support yeah. the Beards and Beards podcast. That's
3: right,
1: and that's cool, man. That's cool that you're going to keep some of the native stuff. And the uh, the Massasauga they're native, right?
3: They are in Illinois. They're considered an endangered species. Um, and if, that's not
1: something you would be able to dabble in, even like to try and captive breed them for other state funded or state you no, know run facilities. That
3: is a weird. Um, Illinois has a lot of weird laws. Uh, Because our herptile code was rewritten in 2015. And we are a lot like Florida in that um, this state is pay to play, buddy. Mm. Um, I get it. And so that law was written pretty broadly, uh, but with some very finite limits on things in order for it to get passed through the legislature. Okay. And so... Breeding, uh, propagating anything that's endangered. Like, there's so many hoops. Um, we probably are one of the few, uh, Teresa and myself are one of the few people who could fit through all those hoops. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, it honestly, I don't even feel like it would be it's, worth it. It's
1: not know. worth it for a pair of dinker rattlesnakes. No offense yeah. to most. Uh,
3: well, my thing is the things that are endangered in Illinois are. Not in the states to the west of us. We are the eastern limit for a lot of things in the western and central United States. And, you know, alligator snapping turtles, uh, ornate box turtles, coach whips. Uh, has isn't a coach whip seen here in since like the early 1800s. Uh, eastern Diamondbacks. What else? Not Eastern Diamondbacks. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, in the extreme south. Um, that was a weird thing because there was timbers and, and people got all weird about it. Um, Massasaug was just goofy things to where it's like, yeah, yes, naturalists in the late 1700s and early 1800s saw rattlesnakes from St. Louis to Wisconsin, and you can currently find rattlesnake dens for timbers in Wisconsin. Uh, you're not going to find one in Illinois unless you're on Snake Road, period. You aren't, and so it's one of those things where, like, we could just go to Wisconsin and get timbers. Like they have a ton of them. It's, it's endangered here because of the urbanization of Chicago yeah. and the spread to where if, if we helped produce massasagas or even something benign, like Blanding's turtles, there's mm-hmm. nowhere to put them, man. Yeah. Like Blanding's turtles estivate and hibernate in combination like 9 to 10 months of the 12 month year they wake up eat every uh tadpole they can find for about 2 months and then lay their eggs in a parking lot and i don't know what to do wow. with that the species so continues like,
2: yeah yeah <laughs>
3: yeah i'm i'm able to get them from folks in texas and other places that breed spotted turtles and blandings turtles and all these things florida breeds every turtle species on the planet indian pond turtles which i dearly i, want, know, I know are 25 bucks there but i need a 500 federal permit to bring them here unless someone gifts them to me my friend phil um yep. the but it's it's Re- one of those let, things where remind like,
1: me to circle back to those Indian spotted by the way, go <laughs> yeah.
3: on. but it's one of those things like it, if I got the extra four permits and, and two more inspections and then Teresa and Walter built another crazy filter off the Gators to do the Blanding's turtles. And then we went through our veterinarian who does rehabilitation for the state and where are they going to go? What are yeah. we gonna like, they're going to go to the other three people in the state who are willing to do what I'm yeah. going to do, and then we're never going to breed them again because we'll run out of space, like, mm-hmm. or to Texas because that's cool. Like, what that doesn't help yeah. Illinois. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah,
1: I get it, man. It makes sense. It does. It does, and it's also I've seen where people had a animal that was say protected in some facet and it was a confiscation or it was injured or rehabilitation or whatever. And it was given to someone like you. And that person was like, Oh, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to breed them. A it's going to be cool. B I can say that I did it, you know, and, and have fun with it. And then I'll just give the offspring to other facilities for their education programs or whatever. For sure. And then no one wanted them. Yes. And it's like, now
3: what do I do? (laughs) You know, because literally no one wanted them (laughs) people discount that, like, especially in the United States, all of the when you say endangered species to Americans, they think of pandas. Yeah. Right. Those aren't endangered here. We have our own bears and they would eat pandas because they're awesome. And we have a bunch of them. They're not endangered.
0: Pandas like, are the alligators the, of the bear world. But the, the things
3: that are endangered here are brown, small, and boring. Yep. And they're endangered because where they live is crappy swampland or covered in sand. And so we paved it and built stuff that we care Condos. about. Condos. And that's it. Like, yeah. some of the more endangered things here are salamanders and, and frog, Like, things you don't care about. And so yeah. if, if I kept all of them... Like, at one time, we, our goal was to do, an, like, a wall of endangered species for Illinois. I had, like, two Boy Scout troops in three years that had any interest in even coming to see the stuff. That's so sad, man. I'm you sorry. know, I, I went to, so at one time, the Chicago Herpological Society had Reptile Fest that was the largest education-only reptile event in the country. Maybe internationally, but there's some really cool stuff in Asia. Um, which is just naturally larger than us for population centers. But um, dude, that, that was every year they sent out an email every year. Hey, we're trying to display all of the species native to Illinois. Can anybody help us this, that, and the other, I, we showed up with so much stuff and then there were like six, eight, 10 people would show up each year. And then we would put all of the things out on the table to make sure that they had all the stuff that, And we were always missing a couple of weird salamanders or whatever yeah um but and then i people would like oh that's really cool and then they'd go look at my retic or they'd go look at somebody's tegu which i understand but that's not that's not ours yeah ornate box turtles are ours you you know but then for you guys You can go look at Easterns and and Gulf Coast and Florida's for box turtles for you and find what basically is a cherry head with orange legs. But in the size of a boxer, you guys have baller box turtles. So cool in the American Southeast. Yeah. Who gives a crap about ornates ornate box turtles aren't actually ornate. They're brown. Like, that's not cool. Like. This Has nothing yeah. to do with anything about snakes. I've so seen these.
0: some super orange box turtles here, like unbelievable. Like yeah, if you took of an corn awesome and turned it into a box turtle, that's what you got.
1: Yeah, I got the yellow head, yellow leg by me,
0: <clears throat>
3: which are beautiful.
1: They're awesome, man. Awesome. And it's so cool. Like get getting on, on a Sunday morning at the right time of the year. And then I got this one dirt road that's north of Anna Maria, like 25 30 minutes north of Anna Maria. And it's 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 got once, if you're driving down the road, on one side is like flat marsh, and the other side is a deep, crystal clear man-made canal. And you go out at like, I don't know, eight in the morning, and you just see all these little boulders moving, mm-hmm. and it's and dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. But I get what you're saying. I do, and I, it it sucks, but it makes sense, you
0: know. Yeah. So. Native stuff just isn't sexy enough for a lot of people.
1: Most yeah. isn't sexy enough for a lot of people, you know?
3: Well, yeah. until you get to the southwest and then
0: Alterna Yeah Alterna and
3: Bairds and uh, Pyrus- That's because oh my. It's,
0: it's magical. It's another uh huh. It's another plane of, of existence. <clears throat>
3: So anyway, well, do you guys actually have things about snakes and stogies, or did I just take that over? And no, it, in, it was good, man. I oh, love 55 it. Fifty-five minutes in,
0: it's fine. Let it roll. What about Indian spotted turtles? Oh
1: yes, thank you, thank you. So I'm not a turtle guy. I got to look
0: these up because I don't know.
1: I'm not a turtle guy. Hamiltoni is the or Hamiltoni is the um, species name, FYI, or um, anything in the Podocnemis genus. Yeah, anything in Podognathus <sighs> genus, really. Good, Don't,
0: but, yeah.
1: Um
3: People in Florida breed them like mad. They get gigantic, and I can't have them.
1: Well, so this is what I was going to say is, I I'll never forget the first time I ever saw a Hamiltoni in person was a full grown adult. And oh wow! It was a full grown adult, and somebody had, I, I'll leave out names and everything else, but where I was working at the time, somebody had imported a trio, like legit papers um the, the, the interstate tr interstate commerce shit like legit papers and uh they were seven thousand each yeah i'm sure and yeah at, before permits and licensing and whatever else and they were sent to where I was working for safekeeping it's kind of like uh you know you have your diamond delivered to the bank not mm-hmm. to the jewelry store you know what I mean yeah and uh and I remember the, the guy who, who bought them so like, man, these, I pay a lot of money for these, but you know what? They're going to, they're going to be worth more than Galops. They're going to be worth more than Aldabra's. Like this is the turtle, you Good know, life, and then, buddy. and then event, and then eventually it's going to get so popular that, that the, the interstate thing is going to be, is going to be known and void. And, and like had all these, you know, delusions of grandeur. And then the next year he produced them and he sold all the babies, like literally, you know, silver dollar size babies he sold them for i think a grand a piece mm-hmm. and then next year they were 800 and the year after that they were 500 and now i think what what's wayne hill selling for like you said like 50 bucks right
3: yeah sometimes they go on sale for like 29 yeah it's wild yeah. man And, so, and the, it, but that's the thing dude they're just a pond turtle yeah but then and, and where you uh, live but they are really cool like i mean i'm no, not a turtle guy but, but I, they're but super fun like, turtles but for you guys, living where you live, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a pond turtle from someplace warm. Be fine. It's all good. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, the only thing you guys would struggle with is like moremis or weird Asian species that sure, want to be cold. Sure. But dude, any place that's tropical, like they breed like mad. And then everybody in Florida is like, hey, uh, not really endangered because it turns out there's more in Florida than there are in all of India. Yeah. You, you know, this is the only the same spotted
0: turtle that matters.
3: Spotted turtles are amazing. Yeah. Um, podocs are the same way. The last time they released baby podocs in South America, I, I want to say it was the yellows. Um, it was like several hundred thousand babies. They released into a river, wow. like because, wow if you take out the it because it's us it's not it's not the river didn't dry up or go away the the you know whatever bad thing happened to turtles specifically and a lot of amphibians it's us Mm -hmm. so if you take us out of the equation and just put them in a pond in florida in somebody's backyard where nobody will mess with them they're fine there's there's not some weird cataclysm that stopped him from having babies. It's just a bunch of jerk-off humans.
1: Yeah. Condos, man. said it before. I'll say it again. Um, so let me ask you this. All joking aside, because we at the Herbiculture Network are, by the book, on the up-and-up, you could get gifted babies. Would would If I was going to gift them to you, would I still have to pay the $100 one-time crossing state lines ESC permit?
2: Hmm.
1: Because I know, like, if I was, um, let's say I had a rehab permit and I rehabilitated uh, sandhill cranes. Well, sandhill cranes are not protected anywhere except for Florida. I know oh, it okay. because they're protected. They're not in danger. They're threatened or protected. Right. You know, the state status is species of special concern or something. Right. I can pay the U.S. Fish and Wildlife. One time hundred dollar permit, and once the permit gets approved, I would just ship them to you. I don't know if that if that plays a factor because they're not native, and I don't think that are they actually endangered? That, are they like classified endangered?
3: Yes, so okay. that is the problem with the ESA federally. Our endangered species act covers any animal deemed to be endangered, regardless of whether or not it's native to the United States. Right, but isn't uh, can I
1: do the hundred dollar permit for Galops too? So yeah, so if it, if it, yeah, you can. Yeah. So then yeah, so so yeah. there's only a hundred bucks,
3: um, then you know, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, it that is nobody in our political spectrum is ever going to care about that, but like, yeah,
1: I mean, obviously, there's I was just, more giving to you, you know. No, no,
3: but <laughs> no, no, no I, I just mean like as far as how silly that truly is, like, sure, sure. To if you could in some way, just sit in front of a Senator and talk to them. Yeah. be like, there are more Fiji iguanas in Canada than there ever will be in Fiji. Right. What, how absurd is it that you can't just drive North of New York and get them and bring them like, that's, that isn't, it's never going to impact Fiji. Right. right. If, if right. I come hang out at Daytona and I go home with a spotted turtle, this, this big, it's probably eight or 10 generations removed from anything that ever saw or smelled India. Yeah. You know, it's absurd to think that that would affect wild populations in in some capacity. And the way that we do it is, it's so crazy.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, when you come to Daytona, you let me know,
3: right?
0: (laughs) Are you coming down to get black box stuff again?
3: I believe that's the goal, I think. Because isn't the Georgia show that we went to in March, maybe?
0: Yeah. um, I
3: think Casey said something about that.
0: Jen said they are not vending that one, though. Okay. Well, I mean,
3: at some point, I traverse the United States a little bit more now, so... What uh, snake and stogie things are you guys doing tonight?
0: Uh, I mean, honestly, we didn't have a game plan. We just kind of kicked it. Winging I know it. Billy Jenkins had mentioned talking about sort of room layout and flow. Ooh, okay. That's cool. Was pretty interesting. Um, we were initially, when you came on, we were talking about how I want to set up the percentum cage once I get that in. Right. Which that's are where the bam, the bamboo talk came in. Everything. So I wish they were they were friendlier. I don't care. They're beautiful. So we'll see. I have a I have a fairly yeah. clear plan in my head of what I think I want to do. Just gotta gotta do it. And I gotta get more of these purges done because I plan on almost doing like the whole back with a bunch of like staggered ones and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um so
3: I the way you're doing those, like the, the purchase, mm-hmm. um that I think that could be really cool. I'm trying to think of how so I imagine like because the black box um literally being black and and you could make like some crazy because my thing is if you just frame it from when like when you took the picture, the snapshot through the Mm -hmm. door, right. If you had the backdrop, like Phil was talking of, of for really anything. Um, but that backdrop was leaves and branches and, and forest. And then the branches like you're doing, um, and then something maybe like the hobby lobby, like silk type leaves or something you could make. The, the picture of in the door frame, just nothing but the branches, mm-hmm. man. And that I that to me, like something like a rhino rat or something like that, just in all, it makes me think of like the vine snakes and, and things like that. Like, I think the potential for the, the stuff that you're making with those branches, aside from just really good perch ideas, um, to actually use those as, like the depth of field for mm-hmm. dude, I think it could be I think this could be really cool.
0: Yeah, and we have like five crepe myrtle trees out front of work and I was looking at them today and they're just like perfect size. Because I try to go for like two inch diameter and below. Um, Obviously nothing super thin, but I was looking at those trees today and I talked to my boss and I was like, how much do you love those crepe myrtles? Because A, they need to be trimmed legitimately and B, I was like I'm making these perches and I like, I'm, I was eyeballing some of those branches on them and they're like exactly what I'm looking for. And I still have a, a bin full of, of raw ones that I have to um, like debark and, and sand and stuff like that. Cause I'm doing them doing it all by hand. So it does take some, some work, but I've got a handful done already. I've got, I put like three or four in that, that Rhino cube. Right. Um, which I think I heard his feelings. because I took away the PVC perches that were in there. <laughs> and uh like he kind of he's just been moping under his, his uh cork bark and then i have two oh, in the percentum in the percentum cage right now in the bio g and he uses them semi-regularly <clears throat> but i'm using oh, I'm like good. a a low voc polyurethane and i talked okay. to james Opdal and and our buddy harry about it and you know james told me coat it, sand it, coat it again and then give it, you know, a solid 3 days or so to to dry out and stuff and it should be right. good to go cuz he uses that on his cages that he builds cuz he's a furniture guy too and I don't know. So far they look real good. So.
1: Here, I just found this real quick. I just typed in, you know, bamboo forest base. And like obviously this picture is not the best angle, but like if you got a photo like this, it doesn't even have to be clear. It could be blurry. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you're simply using this for the background. And then oh, you what, still uh, have. What about
3: that, uh, like, petbackdrops.com or whatever? What that's exactly who I use. Oh, yeah. I was saying, I, I remember yeah. you talking about that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly who I use. And I, uh, I got, I'm so excited. Kyle's sending me those those landscape photos from where the rattlesnakes are from. That's going to be so awesome. I'm going to get stones that match. And, like, oh, I'm excited because dude those pet pet, back, pet backgrounds.com comes out so nice. It is nothing like the petco back of the aquarium nonsense that you buy from them where like you stick it on the back of the tank. It's not yeah. it's 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 anti-glare matte vinyl that adheres to the inside of the enclosure. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But yeah, I think if you did like those bamboo, like I was saying, and then you have your bamboo on the on the flat piece of PVC, like you know uh, silicone in or whatever, I think it would give so much depth.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, and I mean like that rat snake book also has pictures of of sort of where they're found, um, and it's very similar to the rhino rats in that it's it's usually close to water, like some sort of water source, uh, bamboo forest, so. It's um, it'll look good, and I think if I add, you know, the dead leaves and maybe take some some decent size pieces of bamboo and cut them in half and use them for hides, and you know, throw in some cork bark or something. I think it would look, it would look good. So. Yeah, man.
1: Oh yeah, Did Just a bunch of of bamboo leaves, just dried out as a as leaf mm-hmm. litter. Oh, it'll yep. look great. You'll get the brown and the green together, the tans and the and the topes. Oh,
0: Matt says, "What well, if I, you know, when I put them under UV, that he's like, those things are going to turn blue." Oh, um, really? Yeah. That's nice. Cool.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Well, Justin, since we're talking about you know enclosure decor and such, didn't you have a topic about room stuff you want to go over tonight?
0: billy jenkins Jenkins. that we talk about room flow and room sort of layout and i don't know if you guys do anything specific mine pretty much is based yeah there you go um (laughs) mine is more based around temperatures so like the Aki cage is a kind of the the focal point of what goes where um all the rhinos and even the and I like I've unplugged their, their heat panel and the percent of them don't have heat and all that stuff. I have sort of in that corner because it naturally, you know, it's a little warmer and they do. Okay. Um, I also have all the other, like all the racks, they're not even plugged in. I don't have heat running on any of those. Uh, and I kind of just have it planned. Accordingly, I I was running the racks and stuff at first with that aki cage and realized just how warm it was getting in there. So, um, cut all that off and just let it run ambient. And even as now that they're in the black box cage, it it's not as warm in the room ambient as it was like when I had them in the Python portal setup, which was a lot thinner of a material. You know that heat radiated a lot more into the room, so it's not as bad now that they're in that thicker PVC, but. <clears throat> That's kind of how I base it. And then just overall, like, flow of things, you know, if I can stack, I try to keep younger stuff in similar racks. You know, hatchling stuff is obviously going to go in smaller tubs, and then your older stuff is going to go in the V70s and the 32-quart equivalents and things like that. Um, And then I have a bunch of corns that are in small, uh, not small, but decent sized tupperware that's like younger stuff that's a year or so or below and those are all stacked on the other side of the room on top of a V70 rack stack that I have so and then there's that god awful uh camber rack so
2: <laughs>
0: that's just its own set of set of things but
1: and so the, the majority of your room is ambient right entirely yeah but but again almost all your stuff is temperate and yeah, yeah enjoys the 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 traditional western room temperature
0: i don't know even the chondros man like i'm kind of becoming of the opinion at least here in the southeast that chondros you don't really have to keep them on heat you keep them at just like rhino rats rock them at room temperature and they do great like i don't have any issues with them so yeah i don't know what temperature do I keep my room at? Uh It typically... I think the hottest it'll usually get midday currently is like maybe 80. And then it gets a nice dip at night because I turn off all my lights and stuff. Aggie cage goes dark, everything. So they get a decent drop at night. But uh, like I said, everything seems to handle it well. I did have some issues. I had a couple of corns regurg when we had that serious cold snap because I fed them and then I not even thinking about it you know the room dropped pretty low and uh, I had some corns sort of they didn't take well to that after they ate but for the most part I don't have any problems uh, I actually thought it was kind of odd that it was the corns I had the, the issues with and that because that's like the species you would least expect to, to yeah. do that with but um, yeah in the summer it definitely gets a little warmer I think it gets kind of bumped up to you know low to mid 80s and that's when I do have to kind of pay a little more attention as far as the ackee cage goes and stuff, just making sure it doesn't get too hot in there. Uh, so, um, I don't know. I just, I really don't even put a whole lot of thought into it. I don't worry about it too much. I've been running stuff. Even the Boyga, when I had the Cyanian stuff, I didn't have those on heat. They were at whatever the room was. They did great. And like
3: My boy is I, not I think. heat, a either. Lot,
0: yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people now are starting to kind of realize like unless it's a species that calls for something hotter than like an 85 degree warm spot I don't see any reason to really keep a lot of a very large majority of species above that. Yeah. You no. Know? Yeah.
1: And even even still the stuff that is super duper hot it can take and would prefer a freezing cold nighttime.
0: Well, yeah, and that's that's like they're getting yeah uh big yeah. drops you know i had someone at the cigar shop yesterday he's uh one of the guys that works for the sheriff's office he got a bearded dragon and he was asking me he's like they say i'm supposed to keep this thing at like 110 at the hot end and the like, hot end he's like,
1: like the whole hot end <laughs> he's like i'm worried
0: like turning it off at night and i was like well how big is it and he's like it's about a year old so it's you know eight ten inches i think something along those lines. And I said, dude, I was like, where are they coming from? Like, yeah, it's hot as hell during the day. I was like, but at night, it gets chilly. I was like, you could turn everything off at night for that thing. and I'm sure it'd be fine as long as your house isn't, you know, a fridge. Even then, it'd probably be okay. Um, Because even like the Ackies, you know, those, everything that I heard as far as hotspot on those is like 150 plus. And then listening to Scott saying, you know, it doesn't get 150 degrees where they come from. Which is a good point. So, yeah, even yeah. if they get a little cooler, you know, it's like whatever, they'll they'll be fine. But that's what works for me in my my particular region of the country. It may not be the case for someone up in like Bill's neck of the woods or Houston. Uh, I can
3: tell you that with an Aki, oh, you're a Mastex, uh beards, Savannah monitor, whatever. Uh, currently, and for years now um i have not used anything more than a hundred watt mini halogen from zilla on any of them Mm
2: -hmm.
1: dude those Um, hundred watt halogens are amazing
3: oh i will say that they are for the beards and the acky. that bulb is inside the enclosure Mm -hmm. um it's still you know a foot from the lizard itself yeah um but, it, but they are inside the enclosure, so that does mm-hmm. obviously increase the heat quite a bit. Um, but for, I mean, for the ackee, it that singular bulb uh, is inside an enclosure that's four feet tall. And then for the beards, it's inside an enclosure that's eight feet long. And there's wow. nothing on the eight feet away. There's nothing. I yeah. mean, there's like a plant light or, you know, like a light. But sure. I, I don't do anything for the mm-hmm. other side of the beard enclosure. And those idiots run back and forth all day and night. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I
1: use the, the 50 halogen on the girdle tails and they have the ability to sit directly underneath it or go to the bottom. So I, it's just sitting on top or of what the did screen. I say?
3: 150, 100. sorry.
1: You the, use 50,
3: the bigger one,
1: the bigger I one, think I think use fifty
3: and 25, right? Do they do a hundred?
1: there i know there's a hundred one but it's not doesn't look the same i think it's circular
3: okay so that one i when i use
1: i that. all right so 50 so perfect so i use that and it puts the basking site at like 105 and the lizards choose to go sit underneath it yeah oh yeah like crazy yeah. you know
3: but again Crank up it, in the morning run around do lizard stuff exactly. if i feed them they go back otherwise they don't really yeah they don't just it's, sit there and just like, like I'm
1: I'm my room right now is not as cold as I'd like it to be. Um, it's probably 6970 right now, but I, I just checked my weather app, right? So the closest weather station in the Negev is an airport called of the airport. It's 46 degrees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the high earlier today was 61, and then in July, it's gonna be 120. Wow. Yeah. Sure. So, like, people they just they still got that old that old mentality of like,
0: I gotta cook it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I find too like a big thing for me with the, you know, the ambience is like, when you have that going, you get to sort of take advantage of the, the natural flow of seasons too. Oh, sure. Like in the summer yes. nighttime, my room doesn't get nearly as as cool as it does, even with the AC on, it doesn't get nearly as cool as it does this time of year and like that the animals are going to pick up on that i think especially if you're starting to like with the jansen i i'm misting pretty heavy right now in the mornings even if it's a little on the cooler side um with that Aki cage and stuff it, it warms up in no time but uh that and like natural photo period and having a window in that room you know you kind of get the benefit of of naturally having a swing mm-hmm. that matches the season you know in in your room and Aside from things that I'm cooling separately outside of that room, um, I think that coupled with cutting back on feeding for some things like the conjures in particular this time of year, you know, it all it's a it's it's not the extreme version of of a seasonal shift, but I think it's it's enough to make a difference, in the animals I think pick up on it. But oh yeah, I think it's it makes it easy. I, it, personally, I I like it.
1: Well. I um I never had experience with portable air conditioning units, and I think it's because back in the day when I would have considered something like that, the only thing option the only option you really had was like a, the old school window unit, and I wasn't I wasn't keen on that, and I was never a fan of them. Um, but now with like the little sharper image tower ones, whatever you want to call it, just aging myself there with sharper image, but. Th- you can find them for like 300 bucks and they will make that room cold Mm -hmm. so this summer my goal is going to be to do my homework and find the best one that will the best one that's used for my climate because come this like this next winter like it's too late for this winter but this like winter 23 into 24 i want to be able to have that room get at least into the 50s every night if not if i can if i can break it break the 40s every night but then bring it back up to like 65 during the day because now that i've got some of the montane rattlesnakes and i'm really focusing on some of the more on the desert stuff i really feel like that's going to be a big deal for me to get stuff to do what i want it to do does that make sense
0: yeah, room size is going to be sort of the biggest factor, I would think, in that.
1: Yeah, and I think... You
0: know, a bigger room is going to be harder to cool and, and sort of warm back up in a regular daily interval, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I can at least get the ambient of the room itself 15 degrees or so, I think I'll be in business. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't work, then I then obviously I have to go to some kind of chiller or something that would be temporary for a brumation, but uh, but as of right now, summer the ambient room is like eighty two, but mm-hmm. then like in the Sarastis, the the hot spot the excuse me the hot side is a hundred, yeah. So like but then at night it drops back down to say seventy two, mm-hmm. so I can get the swing there because it's got the heat emitter going you know throughout the day. But the room itself, I'm gonna have to feather it, you know what I mean? Because I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna put heat lamps on the montane stuff. It's it's dumb, especially when the room's the, 80.
0: The biggest complaint with my room is that it's it's on the smaller side, so when it starts to warm up, it gets pretty warm pretty quick.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, my venomous room is the size of your bedroom, Justin.
0: So oh, man, lucky.
1: Yeah. It, but trying it's to get, the, trying
0: but no, it's to switch and shoot. <laughs>
1: Yeah, then they never do. <laughs> no, no, uh, no bathroom, no closet, but the same size as your bedroom. So dang. Hmm. I am so, not all.
3: for this particular discussion. So
1: well, you are, you are, <laughs> because you have you have multiple rooms, you have a legitimate facility. True. Yeah. I mean you I didn't just, I do you the just same throw cages that... in willy-nilly.
3: No, no. I, I mean, I do the same things that you guys are discussing. I just, you know, I have a snake room and a lizard room and, you know, that type of thing. Um, but no, no, the, the formatting is all very similar. Um, I do have, uh, most of, well, typically in herpeticulture anyway, most of the very large things that we keep are desert and savanna animals anyway, aside from things in the iguanids, um, and so that, like the front of my facility, uh, when you walk in, is most of that really big stuff. So it's very warm up up there. Um, the beards, leopard geckos, that kind of thing, are all in a very uh, a large unit that's next to the green iguana. So that's a dry for them. And then he has his own mister and stuff, <laughs> as that goes. Uh, so things are grouped together. I have a our water monitors in an eight by four by three that I made, which is actually basically a stand for an eight by four by two vision style. That's got a berm in it. So the berm sits on top of the water enclosure. And so he's got blast on his side. And then she has, um, it's a 24 inch wide radiant heat panel and so i don't have to i don't have to cook her nearly as much because she's getting heat from both ends yeah um, which i took into account because berms are very fat and thick um yeah man the my ackee enclosure is on the hot end of my retic enclosure so that i kind of coupled that together uh just to raise the the panoptas
2: yeah sweet
3: um but like things like that, like now I'm getting into. Um, I use DP uh, projectors for a lot of things, and so now I'm more concerned with um, distance between that and the animal. So I'm yeah. playing around a lot more yeah. with that. Um, for me, being in the Midwest, um, I bought. I know a lot of people aren't, or there are some people that have concerns with leap habitats um but their foggers i can say from experience are freaking amazing
1: the um, one with the big reservoir yeah
3: yeah so i was I just like, looking at that dude i have like eight of them now i, I put them on really? everything they're so cool um i have gotten really into nighttime fogging listening to the chameleon folks and then how they're going with hydration and things like that uh, awesome. i i'm gonna try to either write it out or make a video or something. Um, and how that I think how that relates to uh, giant pythons and how people struggle with their uh, shedding. Uh, mm-hmm. We've always known that that's a dehydration issue for the animal, but sure. um, more on h- how to better hydrate them without having a pond, essentially when they're gigantic, I'm yeah. convinced that it is uh, ambient humidity anyway. Um,
1: Basically saying that, the, the ambient humidity will lead the horse to drink?
3: A little bit of both in that, okay. so the, the idea for the chameleon folks is um, that where they live, forest edge, uh, as that fog moves in at nighttime, uh, especially for animals, specifically to Madagascar, but a little bit for montane things in Africa as well, um, that we are not accounting for the fact that a huge portion of their hydration is as they breathe while they sleep Um, really, and that they are a a lot of folks in the chameleon side of things are equating that to, um, tropical animals as a whole that in the tropics, especially as humidity raises at nighttime and cloud forests and things of that nature, that a, a lot of the tropics is more cloud forest than you think it is. Cloud forest specificity has more to do with altitude than anything. Um, it's and funny so you he- say
0: that too, because I've always wondered. I think about it a lot, you know, especially with condors. is, like how much of their hydration is is from just aspiration and yeah, yeah, no breathing. Yeah. It, it,
3: it, well, and it, it, and I will say, uh, listening, if you listen to the Chameleon Academy folks, which I do, they've proven it. Like there are published things in chameleons that that wow. it's for real, and so and not just maintain no stuff. Yeah. It, it and and they're it's a concerted effort in the chameleon side now to to work with that um, and so I have no reason to think that that wouldn't be also true for any tropical animal uh, sure with exceptions to microclimate so on and so forth um, and so I'm really making a concerted effort to raise humidity at nighttime for anything I have that's tropical and so um, the layout The layout of my room, rooms, building, whatever, um, didn't necessarily account for that before. And so something like I'm cutting down a little bit on um, circulation in some things, or maybe I'm just cutting down the circulation where I'm putting the fogger, whatever. Um, But as far as temperature goes, um, yeah, man, like there's, I, I love those, um, the little Zilla microhabitats. I yeah. use them for all sorts of small stuff cause I can display them really well. And so when you go in the lizard room, like I have euros, a Savannah, y- you know, different things that are just blasting. Um, and then there's nothing on any of my small stuff. And then I put, you know, I have small African stuff. Well, it happens to be next to the Savannah on the hot side. And then as I go to my amphibians, they're four feet down the shelf by yeah. nothing, you know? Um, and so, yeah, the, the concept is the same as what you guys are talking about. Um, it's just, you know, more than one room or longer space or what have you, that kind of thing.
0: Do you struggle with the, like, the serious winners at all in terms of keeping, like, in certain parts of the building? Do you struggle with um, them?
3: I don't. Uh, my So my building is, uh, it, it's in a it's in, it's downtown. And so it's an interior building. I'm not a, I'm not on the end of the street. And so, um, it does get very cold at the, I have big plate windows in the front. Um, gets very cold in, in the front of that. I keep, um, actually all of our plants are in the front when they get brought in. I keep a lot of the cactus up there, uh, to overwinter them. I have, as you come into my facility, actually, that's currently empty is our, um, it's essentially a jewelry display case that we use as like a little cash register type area. Uh, that one doesn't have anything in it right now. Uh, behind that is a, oh man, six by three tall, two deep. Maybe, uh, that's got my beauty snake in it. So that gets a little bit cooler, but I purposely humidify the crap out of that for like ferns and stuff. Um, That beauty snake loves it. He doesn't care. Um, And then there's a 75 aquatic on the opposite wall. I only put like temperate or native stuff in there because I know that water is going to get cold. Um, It doesn't really affect anything on the main floor. The things in the basement at the front of the building get very cold. And so that is native turtles. All my alligator snapping turtles uh, anything in the Marimis genus is all toward the front of the basement. Um, I'm hibernating the brumating, whatever the trio of Eastern black Kings from Chris is up there by the front wall. Very cool. um, I keep cresteds, all that kind of thing. Those are all downstairs uh, because that's where all the turtles and the alligators and stuff are. And so the humidity is ridiculous. Uh, I don't heat any of that stuff. Um, I don't heat any of the natives or the Marimis in the winter time. Uh, they all basically are just chilling. Um, I'm sure the, I, the
0: buildings there are much better insulated to handle because, you know, yeah, built it's, a, a sin, it's a it's a cinder block
3: anyways. building yeah. from the uh, late 1800s. But the entire downtown essentially is. Um, Sounds haunted. And then as you, so my place that I rent was a tanning uh, facility way back haunted. in the day. And so even in my basement, there's a separate separated room in the basement with a drain and all that stuff where they did the spray tan, which is kind of hilarious. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's going to end up um, well, assuming we stay here and so on and so forth with all this job stuff. But um, that is probably going to end up being separated for the alligators um, just because And not even really through a a temperature control thing. I just like the idea of having a secondary door uh, to be able to
1: And and a drain.
3: Well, yeah, the drain's a big deal. Um, But no, like most of that stuff, like there are are two... Well, there are more than two, but there are two 300-gallon troughs in the basement that are full of dirt instead of being full of liquid. Um, And that is there's a Russian tortoise in one who's just overwintering, chilling out. And the other one is the base of that seven by four by six that I am undecided with, but that's probably be South American stuff. Um, but same way, like I'm going to have my yellow Anaconda and the two red tails are going to be chilling in there. Um, and at time I'll just turn everything off. I don't care. They'll be fine. It's not going to get below 60. Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh... freak out about that for, especially. And I'm convinced basically anything, unless you keep niche species or really weird things like amphibians and stuff, um, everything we keep can get to 60. It's fine. Like just it gradually, you you can't Loose just and run and blast it. Right. But you know, over a, over a 24 hour period going 85 to 60 to 85, Everything we have barring external stressors or diseases, it's fine. Yeah. Uh,
1: let me ask you this going back to the, the leap fogger. Um, mm-hmm. Does it take time to fire up? And does it have to be on for a particular amount of time for it really to do its job? So.
3: Um, both. Both. <laughs> um okay. so it's it's immediate it's it's very good it's it's very powerful you can okay. set it to um the length of time you want it to run and intervals that you want it to run uh i think it's 2 4 12 2 4 8 12 might be your hour choices um and then you can do um 30 seconds a minute 2 minutes two, four, 12, something like that. There there are choices for, for how you want it to run. Um, and then it has a singular opening coming out of the top and it comes with a bunch of connections and stuff, uh, to either it's, it's made for two of their enclosures, which are, um, probably two footers like, yeah, like medium XOs, you you know, two two by 18s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, but for me, um, like the one, um, I don't use the hoses at all. I just put it inside the trinket, or not trinket, the uh, beauty snake enclosure. Um, With the berm enclosure, I run a hose end to end. So it takes a little bit to get to, you know, work its way through the hose. Right. Um, The iguana, I literally just hook the hose back under and I'm running like one. Uh, basically I'm running one fogger per really big enclosure. Yeah, um, yeah. and then, you know, based off of like my iguana is with the red foot, they have a concrete mixing tub for water. So they have a lot of water. Um, but I'm still running it two minutes at a time. Every two hours for them. I'm doing two minutes at a time, every four hours for the berm and the retic, um, beauty snake i was only doing two every four um but that's also given the fact that like the enclosures that i'm using hold it really well yeah Uh, and i've like i've cut down on where the fogger is coming in is opposite of all the heat emitters and i have reduced um airflow in that area But I have not reduced airflow by the heat side at all. So it's not going to get hot and sticky. If you want to cool off and just breathe in that cold, wet air, you can go over there and do that. And if you don't,
1: you You want to be dry
3: and get blasted. That's cool. let them pick.
1: So the reason I ask, and I'm glad you told me about the different like features and timing times and stuff that it has, my, my thought process is, when I get these black box cages up and running and I have the montane rattlesnakes in there as well as my, my field eye, I really want to work on this whole microclimate, high humidity in the morning thing because there, when you go to these, these arid, high elevation, arid environments, everything, when the sun comes up, everything is covered in dew. There's a light fog. It's wet. It's moist. And then come 9, 10 a.m., It's 154 degrees on those rocks, like temp gun, the rocks, 150, 155, right? So in my mind, what I would love to do is I would love to have some kind of fogging element that turns on for, I don't know, two minutes every morning and then shuts off for the rest of the day. So that way, like an hour before the quote unquote sun comes up.
3: Yep you know, and then throughout so, the day it, it dries. What the chameleon folks are doing now and that I'm copying for some things is it's mist and fog, right? So misters realistically misters should be for ambient humidity and to keep your plants alive. Okay. Uh, unless you have chameleons are weird. Some snakes are weird. They prefer to drink droplets and so then right. you are, right. you're providing that. Right. Sure. What they're doing now is they set an extra time on their misters, and that goes off at like whatever 6 a.m. because your lights turn on at eight, whatever. Right. Right. So you run that mister another an extra two minutes at six. Right. So everything's has standing water on it. Mm -hmm. And then they run that fogger. At six thirty, at seven, at what, at whatever, right? Um, run it for like five minutes. Just fog that sucker out, right? That standing water is going to allow or cause that fog to stick around a little bit longer in that right. misty form. Sure. And the but you know that come eight, it's going to turn on. Yeah. And so then it's going to start to push all that down as that heat comes out all that natural flow and then the the theory being for the chameleons they're going to choose to sleep where those things are affecting them in the way that they want to be affected right and so you know when you're setting up for something like a chameleon obviously don't don't point your mr and fogger at the branch for basking like be smart about it but if you give them a space to sleep that is as you should anyway that is theoretically covered by plant material or whatever you choose to use, fake fake or real. Right. When your mister hits all that, then your water drops are on it. When it does it during the day, your chameleon is going to be there because they want to drink. Now they're there because they want to sleep and be hidden from your monkey face. And so that leaf cover is going to protect them from the mist as they want when they sleep. Then that fog is going to hit. And because they're inside of the leaves and stuff where they want to be anyway all that is stuck there so now they're just breathing it in lights are going to turn on heat's going to push all that down they're going to dry out come out do their thing bask uv whatever lizard stuff they do for the day and come back to warm and dry how they should be and so the the whole idea is that you're basically trapping them in that fog to where they're breathing it in when they're asleep and for the monitor folks it's the same thing when you had guys like frank and now mike stefani are talking about you know using the reed stack so they can pick their levels for heat they're also talking about having really deep dirt that's wet at the bottom Mm. because when they dig down and they're already warm that if they dig down into dry dirt after being dry and hot they're drying themselves out further breathing in that dusty hole yeah. They need to be essentially sleeping in the composition of a lay box all the time. So there should always be stratification to moist substrate. It's a lot like keeping tarantulas or any of these small things. Sure, We're just sure. using huge dirt boxes. Right, right, right. And it, if you, that's why I like keeping it a diversity of stuff. Because when I listen to tarantula nerds talk about dripping water down the side of the dirt thing for the baby that's burrowed to the bottom, it's the exact same thing as monitor nerds talking about, oh, you're cooking your ackee and you're cooking your savannah. Give them that deep dirt. They can sleep in that wet dirt. And they do. They get in that hole. They get in that crevice. They get in that burrow and sleep in wet dirt. They come out and cook at 150 and feel like a handbag, but that ain't where they're sleeping.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well put. That's great.
3: So yeah, so you... Or crocheting or something as the sticks are turning above your head. You're hands. still
1: muted.
0: Don't hate. I'm just saying.
1: It's the I mean, man's Anita side hustle.
0: Working on another piece. That's right. I even take the wood burner and carve a JS in there. Hey, look at, you. You,
1: look at you. But yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a, a great idea to, to get that whole morning do thing and, and trap in the humidity in those microclimates. And like, yeah. I don't need humidity over everything. I need a humidity under everything. Yep. You know? And that's, so that's good, man. I, I'm probably going to buy one of the leaps just cause I really have been watching them on Instagram just to give it a test run, you know. And uh I actually have a uh I have a, a giant male seras serastes that's like my pet my pet viper and he's the guinea pig. He's the one that uh, I don't want to I don't feel like changing his light bulb, but uh, he can go a couple couple weeks without a light bulb, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. And uh he's in a, a 211 vision and I think that I'm going to use him as my guinea pig to see if cuz in, in like if his enclosure gets messed up, who cares? I take him out, I'll dry him off and give him another bucket of sand. But like right. I would hate to have one of my nice, you know, with all the rocks and stone and everything. And then all of a sudden I start using this fogger and it just makes it a wet, soppy mess, and I have to spend weeks drying everything out. So yeah. I'm probably gonna buy one and use him as the guinea pig and kind of see what happens. But I know that my experience with some of like the zoomed foggers and stuff, it was not um they burnt out from my lack of, how do I phrase this? The, the mechanisms that drove them burnt out from a lack of use because I wouldn't, how do I phrase this? So it has a timer, right? It wants to go off every four hours, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, it's not. I'm only using it once a day. So what I would do is I would plug it into its own wall socket timer
3: Oh. So that it
1: turns on in the morning. Okay. Im- immediately it turns on. It does its 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 spray for however long, and then it stops. By the time it's ready to spray again, it has no power going to it. Oh. Okay. So be- because I was doing that every day, the thing burned out in like two or three months. Because right. It's like turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off, opposed to just leaving it on and letting it do its thing. Right. So. That that that's honestly my probably my biggest fear aside from flooding the cage, you know. Right.
3: Yeah i I was really really impressed with them. Um, I don't have a lot of information about longevity yet. Uh, yeah, I mean
1: it's it's a new product, you know.
3: But but as far as function, awesome. it's, it's been okay. Really good, really really good.
0: Then
1: yeah, I'll take a stab at one. That's awesome.
0: Good stuff. Someone do a review for the website. Yeah.
3: Ooh, I could do that. Yeah.
0: Make it happen, Billy Boy. We still yeah. have a website that still needs stuff on it. Yeah. I could definitely <laughs> do that. Help.
3: I could review uh, that. I could review Zoopoxy. Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. I just bought my first one gallon uh, can of. Drylock. Oh, cool. I'm going to, uh, hopefully this week, if I have time, I'm going to, uh, make some fake gravel and stone. (laughs)
3: Cool. Yeah. That stuff's awesome, too. I, yeah. My really, my my buddy's working with that.
1: My buddy's been using it for all of his, uh, rachidactylus. And I just, like, I'm literally sitting next to a, a, like, 50 pound bag of crushed granite. And like a 50 pound bag of pea gravel. And it looks so good. It looks so good in enclosures, but it literally makes every enclosure 15 pounds heavier. Yep. So I yep. started carving fake pieces of like shale and like what I would, what I'm going to, what I'm going to make as shale. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm snapping off all these pieces of foam. Right. And I see all this nice chunks of foam that I'm going to throw away. And I'm like, I can put some dry lock in a solo cup and just dunk each piece. And yeah, it's going to take me hours to do this, but I can make fake gravel and God forbid there's a rock slider and avalanche in the enclosure. Who cares if the snake gets smushed because it's foam? Yeah. You know, so that that's, I I got the thing of dry lock. And then uh, my buddy Chris was telling me about uh, just, he takes standard acrylic paint, like modeling acrylic paint. And he just adds a couple drops to a a solo cup of dry lock and he can make his different tints.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no I used idea. um I used um what the hell was it? I used concrete stain and tint when I was yeah. doing it. Super simple.
1: You know the um the flex that they sell at Home Depot that you add to like a concrete floor to give it that texturing? Uh-huh. Have you ever tried using that? I, I feel like it would look too cliche. I feel like it would look fake.
3: I have not. Um, I used that in college with Portland cement to make a monster uh, bearded dragon mountain. Um, nice. I mean, it was kind of cool, but like if you're not building an eight by six by four, like it's kind of dumb. And then. Yeah. I think we like chainsawed that apart to take it out of the school. Like it was <laughs> ridiculous. It's it's not nice. Like you're, you're sculpting it in concrete in yeah. plywood. Like it, it gets out of hand. Um, I get it. I get it. That's why the dry lock things and the zoopoxy on pink foam, you know, became as popular as they are. Cause we used like, like actual concrete. Like we took yeah. like the, the, the uh, chicken wire and made structure yeah, and yeah, dude. By the end of that, if that had fallen over, it would have killed seven children. Like it was dumb. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then I saw yeah. Billy said the zoopoxy versus drylock foam workup. Um, mm-hmm. If you were watching when I was doing stuff for the black box enclosures, you would have seen that Billy Jenkins. That I did a comparison <laughs> of those two. Just saying.
1: Yeah, he's saying he did uh, he did drylock and acrylic paint for his toke enclosure. So that's cool. Yeah,
3: dude, it, it there is a reason that every dart frog YouTube on the planet is, well, here's my black uh, pond and stone foam that I then carved and put dry lock. At. Every single person does it yeah. um, because it's incredibly effective if, if you're if you are doing small animals that will not destroy it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: If you if you are going to do an animal that will not mm-hmm. harm the background you should do foam and dry lock every time bar none to save on weight and cost and, and yeah. everything. There's no reason to use something like zoo unless you're trying to make, you know, wood or the things that, that Justin is trying to do some very specific project. Sure. The only reason in my opinion, only reason I use and talk about zoopoxy so much is because it's an, an adult male green iguana. It's a tegu. It's, a, you know, large yeah. destructive things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The vast majority of the stuff that we're talking about, if it can fit in an exo or a black box, man, use, use foam and dry lock.
1: Yeah. And I will say this too, is before we ever, I ever dabble with dry lock or any of this stuff, it was grout. And for yeah. like girl tail yeah. lizards that are literally, they destroy, they don't destroy. Let me rephrase that. They, beautifully etched background foam yeah yep because it's just it literally looks like someone's been sanding it for 20 years yeah. and because of that i use the grout because it's so hard and such a rough texture i figured yeah. it also helped keep their their nails kind of trim you know yeah and uh but again it adds all that weight because it's freaking grout you know yeah so heavy and on the foam i feel like if you're really, if you're scuffing up the foam correctly enough to get the grout to adhere correctly, it's just soaking it in and just, it just sucks yeah. it up and you got to do another coat and it sucks it up and yeah. get another coat. So
3: yeah, that's yeah. the only, the only benefit to the zoo being the two part composition is, you know, using the pink foam base, using the, the PVC bases like I was, um, you know, you you negate that, and that it's just adhering to it, and then you're done. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, it, that adds weight. You know, I'm yeah. mitigating that weight by having pink foam be the the base of the cliff. The, the mass or mass Right. Um. But yeah, it's still an inch of two part clay that hardened into concrete on top of it. Then it, even even this, the the uh, black boxes, you know, three by three by eighteen. When I, I built, um, the one is the two rock stacks, even with the sand in there. I can, I can just pick that up.
1: Sure. Um, the with,
3: one with, that the whole is, thing is
1: like what? 50, 60 pounds, the whole thing.
3: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because I chose to use sand, right. Not right. like crushed walnut or whatever stupid yeah. stuff. I put sand in there, which adds a lot of weight. Um, the other one, man, when I, like I showed on the video where I tilted it over and it it's it's in there, I mean I would have to like grinder it out to get it out of the, the black box now, but um like once I put the sand in that thing it me and Teresa put it on the shelf like that's yeah it's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. heavy, um, and that's with that's just pink styrofoam underneath there. there's nothing else in there but that that zoopoxy paint and sand um it's still. That's got some weight to it, man. Um, not good. nearly what it would have stacking slate or some insanity. Exactly. Exactly. Um,
1: or tile.
3: But, yeah. You know, that, that's the only thing when you, I love giant enclosures because I think you get to see cool behaviors that we just don't see, you know, sure. Having an eight foot enclosure with beards in it is awesome. You know? Um, but if I chose to make an eight foot enclosure the way I like to see a 40 breeder for a beard it'd weigh 800 pounds like that's crazy easy easy. you know you have to mitigate those things where you can um yeah it's just doing the best you can dude so christopher says i've done foam covered it with gorilla glue and pressed dirt and moss into it so the if you do that that works that's super cool uh if you do it spray the gorilla glue with water like out of a really fine uh, plant mister, and then as it dries, it gets these like pock marks in it, and then uh, it. it looks really cool. I've got a couple enclosures like that, they're cool,
1: nice uh, along the same lines. I, uh, my buddy Chris was again, we were talking about all this dry lock and stuff. He was telling me about the one type of super glue that I can't remember the name of it, the one that's safe for animals. Um, Every brand of super glue, Loctite, Gorilla Glue, they all have this one type, this one chemical. And uh, I didn't realize this, but if you squirt the, the super glue onto your insulation foam and then stick your pieces together, well, I, I didn't like the way that I did it, so I just pulled it apart, right? I knew it was going to rip. Well, that chemical eats away at the foam kind of yep. like an acid. And yep. it leaves these crazy textures. Yeah. So I found myself t- literally I'm wasting glue experimenting, but squirting a bunch of super glue into a piece of foam, taking a plastic butter knife that's disposable, smearing it and letting it eat away at it to give that texture. And um, yeah, uh accolade. That's it. Um, and again, wasteful and probably not the best for my lungs, but. It, it gave me a very unique desired result that I was not expecting at all. Yeah. So just just like you're spraying the spraying the water to give it the pocking.
3: Yep. There's a no
0: reason yeah. God gave you two.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, I will say too. Um, some people saw it, and then um, Troy Goldberg showed it as well on YouTube. When you're doing the, um, I use the black pond and stone uh, foam, and then you can carve it just like with a exacto or something um the thing that troy showed and that i uh, did um you can take a uh they have like a brillo pad attachment for your drills oh and, wow. and scuff it up that way um it ends up being really cool it makes an ungodly mess when really? you grinder that foam because then it's just Oh yeah. It's literally ground up bits of foam. It gets yeah. everywhere. It sticks to everything cuz when you're using
1: styrofoam sawdust.
3: Yeah. And when you're using <laughs> one of the drills, then it creates static electricity, so now it's stuck to everything and you I have hairy arms and I was just coated pink. Um just pink everywhere. <laughs> it it looks awesome when after you dry lock it. It's super cool. Nice. Um, nice. But man, it is a filthy, filthy mess. Do you like?
1: Um, do you like keep your shop vac handy?
3: Yeah, I literally just turned it on and just did it into yeah. the shop vac, stuck at the bottom of the black box, and
1: it still got all over you.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Because the, with the static electricity coming off of the drill and then sticking to the hair on my arms, it, it, oh, it was ridiculous.
1: Um, oh, that real quick before we before I lose that thought. Speaking of static electricity, on my black box cages because the gla- the sliding glass doors are uh I don't know what dare I say acrylic I should probably know this um it has dust that I cannot get off and the glass is oh. so crystal clear it's so beautiful black box glass is flawlessly crystal clear yeah but all I see is the dust and like I wipe it down with alcohol and the dust lands on it and I wipe it down with chlorhexidine and the dust lands on it. I feel uh-huh. like when I close it, it like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, I, I don't it. know what to do. I think I may just have to just deal with it.
3: Pretty much. Um, I don't know, man. Like I, I know that they sponsor us or whatever. Dude, their stuff is killer. Like it's the killers are super it's clear. So good. The it's fixtures so good. are really nice. Like, I, I don't know. I, it's awesome.
1: Oh, Smitty, do you mind if I show those videos that I didn't get to show last week when my internet took a crap on me and died? Do it. All right, let me pull up Facebook real quick so I can steal these videos. Just to show, because we're like we're on the black box topic. I might as well show off. <clears throat>
0: This cue. is a this just is a nice a piece it's tall it's got some cool forks a wing nut you drill just a hole in the cage and then you attach it like so Whoop. Crepe myrtle. Super hard. I don't know if y'all can hear that or not. Got a whole tub of these things to make. Many more. I don't know why I'm whispering like creep. <clears throat> so this one has got one coat of the poly on it. I'm going to hit it again before I go to bed. And then it will be complete. So, <laughs> Each one is a piece of art and they're going to be $50 a piece. I'm kidding. They won't be $50 a piece, but I will have some for sale at some point once I sort of stockpile them and make them more.
2: All nat- All
0: natural. Yeah, see, look at that. Phil goes to get his video and, uh, you know, his computer decides to. Ooh, speaking of
3: selling and purchasing things, um, is there more information about uh, the happenings on February 1st?
0: Uh, there's still a couple things I need to do. There's 31 days in January, right? There is. Okay. So I've got some small stuff just to finish up, and then it will be going up. Awesome. Excellent. See, yeah, when I saw that picture, I was surprised. I didn't think they were that deep. Like, for some reason, I thought they were shallower than that.
1: Yeah, they're um they're twenty four wide, twenty four tall, eighteen deep, and they are exquisite. That looks,
0: that looks deeper than eighteen.
1: Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it's twenty four deep and eighteen tall.
0: Maybe that would make more sense.
1: That'd make more sense. So that, boys and girls, is the XT2 slider with venomous lock built into the middle, and i am so freaking excited so i will show you the goods this is how it came packaged to perfection not only was every literally every line of the external corners edges of the enclosure were beautifully wrapped in styrofoam but it fit in the
0: Bark twice if you're in Milwaukee. It
3: fit beautifully in something beautiful, as
0: Phil said. Check out the sanding discs that go into a drill. It could make prep easier for you with the branches. Yeah, there's probably a handful of ways I could make this much easier on myself. I got to sharpen the knife like every day after I finish doing some. I want to get a little like metal brand that I can use. I can get one off Etsy. This big one is the one that I started last night. I got to figure this out though because this one's probably about two inches in diameter where it would connect, so I'm trying to figure out if I should use a bigger hanger bolt than what I use on the other ones. But this one's got a lot of... I gotta sand this one a lot. It's pretty neat. It's beard. Sandblasting would be awesome. Oh, yeah. That would make life so much easier. Look, guy, you sit here and hype up your videos, Dude, and then it just
1: Streamyard is
0: just killing me. It's like it doesn't want. I StreamYard- tried to. I tried to make it full screen. I'm sorry. I think that was why.
3: Uh.
0: I think maybe Phil is... Oh, my God. I don't know. They make some pretty big hanger bolts, though, Jenkins. True. It's just proportional. And it's not super heavy. It's not like it's going to snap off. And I guess if you're not keeping them with something that weighs a lot, it's not going to be that big of a deal. It's not going to be... Anything major. Well, I
3: think you kind of have to take that into account too of like the, even if you're using, like that's a fairly good size oh, ranch, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to use it for maybe don't use it for a heavy bodied species and just use it as a focal point in your oh, yeah. design Man. type of thing. Like it could still be a rat snake, you know. That just that can just be central to what you're putting your other cage decor around. I guess you know you don't have to put an Angolan python on it or something. All right,
1: can you hear me? Yes. Yep. I'm gonna try this one more time. If it doesn't work, I'm making Smitty do it.
0: Let me get Facebook ready.
1: All right. So here.
3: I also am relying on Smitty for stream yard assistance because I don't know what I'm doing.
1: So here is the three. Oh, all right. Those are the three cages. Nobody, in, nobody move. Right. Wow. Um in their three boxes. And I'm I'm short. I'm five, 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 six on a good day. So they are. They were packaged really, really well. Um, you saw me open them. So here is they I had them cut the screen top and then it has a perfectly fit lid. So if I want to do oh. external heat lamps, I can do external heat lamps. If I need ventilation, I could just take that lid off. But that lid actually fits perfectly damn near seamless and i don't know if you guys can see my cursor but like see this black line right mm-hmm. there that black line is actually a track for the led light cord yeah. to go through so it spits mm-hmm. out the back so that literally they're, they're completely stackable yeah so um
0: and the the screen so like the vents on the bio g2 um they're like layered they're not just you know screwed onto the side or attached some random way like they're actually like they're not going anywhere you can put a lot of weight on those things before they break. yeah he froze again
3: okay i'm telling you man it i don't know I, I i don't want people to think we're like just hyping it up because whatever like they're awesome they're like i built those enclosures um and they're they're freaking awesome. Like I, I've not found a thing I don't like about them yet. I've been really, really impressed.
0: Yeah, they're you know the quality's uh without a doubt there. So Let me see, where did he send these?
3: So Utah EDC is asking uh, why you sand off all the bark and whatnot, Justin.
0: Um, mostly, I mean, I have so there's a lot of lichen and stuff on it, so it's mostly out of sort of convenience. I, I've been wanting to try just doing an epoxy coat on that and seeing how it looks. Um, not an epoxy, but a, a poly coat.
3: If you uh, didn't coat them. Um, like living where you live and, and seeing how they are when they're just, you know, on the ground or whatever. Like, is it something where they would decay pretty rapidly? Do you feel?
0: No, so it's not like I've used just raw, like uncoated before with a chondro as a perch, and it got some like blue fuzz all over it. Um, if you were keeping them in like a drier setup, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't worry about it. Like, it's not, it's not a toxic wood or anything like that. Um. And, yeah, so the bark on them is is almost like potato skin. Like, it's super thin. Um, there's just a ton of lichen and stuff on some of these that I have, which, I mean, they look cool, and some people may want that. So, I don't know. I'm going to play around with it and, and see what happens. Some people may like the natural look. It's mostly just making sure, you know, it, it doesn't mold and get gross if it's being used in a high humidity kind of thing. And some people... I kind of like the look of the the rawer, not raw, but the you know the debarked kind of modeling you get with some of the spots that didn't get fully taken off. Uh, Phil, I'm bringing up your thing well, right. I'm gonna now. I'm
1: gonna resend you the video the the remaining videos. That way, they're like you don't have I to have, scroll
0: back. I haven't pulled up.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, because uh, I'll be brutally honest. It's it's StreamYard. I just te- like the last time I froze. I tested other internet stuff and everything's working fine. So it's freaking streamer. It does not want me to stream from anyway to the videos.
0: Anti Florida. Can, can you see them?
1: Yeah, yeah but they're, they're, they look laggy on my end. Are they, are they smooth for you, Billy? Uh,
3: They are now. Yeah. Okay. I think it's, Wait. Um, it might be freaking out when it, I, I don't think it's, it's the okay. screen. Like when that screen screen becomes more obvious. Like, yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah. Look how, yeah. So that's the locking mechanism. Um, And one thing that I do love is, I don't know if this is on purpose or if this is just a uniform cage thing, but the locks that they gave me for my, my previous shipment of cages, it's the same lock and key. So now I have multiple keys for all, and they're all matching the same lock, but I really like this key lock system because First of all, you can't, especially with venomous, you can't just unlock a bunch of cages. you can only unlock the one that you using the key. And that's a great thing for venomous and some of the more you know, hazardous critters, because now I'm forcing myself to only unlock one at a time, and the key is with the lock, so before yeah, like it
0: retains to... the, the core. Right,
1: right. So in order for me to unlock another cage, I have to lock the one I was just in. Mm -hmm. which I think is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, They put these little nubs on the glass so that I can use a snake hook to slide them and open them and I don't have to use my hand, which I thought was really great. And then the track, the cut for the track is so smooth and so silky. It just, it glides like a hot knife through melted butter. Um, If you want to go to the next video. So this is the dimmer switch for the LED lights. And not only they built, real solid but they made a aluminum snap track on the upper mm-hmm. top lip so the lights literally snap in there so if you had to take them out or god forbid an animal you know a heavier bodied snake or something knocks them out it, it's not adhesive it's not screwed in nothing's permanently damaging so it'll you just snap them back in their work um and then in this right here i'm showing the the ceiling Whatever acrylic or aquarium sealer they used, it is a flawless bead all the mm-hmm. way through. It looks like a it looks like a a perfect weld.
0: Yeah, so, I did mine myself on the Aggie Cage, and it, it definitely doesn't look anywhere near as good as that. Yeah, it's like, like I a wish
1: blind kid did it. I wish you could zoom in on that 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 seal job. That seal job is so smooth and perfect. It's amazing. It's almost like they do this professionally. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the nice thing with the LEDs because that's I have all the the four biog stacked on top of each other, so mm-hmm. you know a quadrant of four, and all of those they have these tethers where all the LEDs plug into the tether, and then it streamlines it to one cord. Oh, that's cool. So you can still change them, like you can still turn turn them off individually through that that dimmer. Right. Um, but instead of having four different plugs in one outlet, it all connects at the at the it's like a braid with like 10 adapters on it and they plug into that and then yeah so that was a feature i i really liked on it and it makes things a lot easier because they use the same leds like the same brand leds um so whether it's a six foot cage or the bio g's or something you know you can connect them all and and have them all funneled to one yeah one outlet
3: Phil, somebody asked in the chat, are the sliders glass or acrylic?
1: Uh, they're, they're, they're not glass. It's some kind of acrylic of some kind. Um, it's not the same acrylic that I've used in the past because it has a lot of flex to it, which I think is great because especially if you're not using your hand to open and close it, you, you sometimes can't gauge like you don't know your own strength. And, like, I've slammed and cracked a lot of sliding glass because I'm using a snake hook and, you know, something that's venomous is getting a little unruly and I have to slam the glass real quick. Um, yep. And I've, I've, I've cracked it. And I, I, I'm very, very confident that this, whatever kind of acrylic or poly resin or whatever this plastic is, it feels great. It has just enough flex and it's crystal clear.
0: And those come assembled.
1: They came completely assembled. The only thing I did was put the key in. Well, actually, I lied. So the all I, all I had to do was literally unlock them. They come locked so that the glass isn't sliding around. Mm-hmm. But on two of them, the LED lights popped out of the track, which is actually how I figured out that it had that aluminum retaining clip. And it, yeah. I was like, how does this work? Do I slide it? And I literally just pushed with my hand. It went pop and just snapped in. So. And it uh, looks like who somebody was it? Billy Jenkins asked about. Yeah. Billy Jenkins says, uh, Could you plastic weld PVC? Um, not to speak for everyone, but I know I have friends that did plastic weld PVC for enclosures and it held up great, except for weight integrity. Uh, it, it held the seal well in terms of like being uh, uh, liquid resistant, but it wound up cracking because it wasn't drilled together. And I feel like if you plastic welded it and then still drilled it, you'd be golden. But I imagine that's a much harder, lengthier, more expensive process too.
0: And you've got all the mon, you got Montane stuff going into those, right? Yes. So
1: that's the final verdict. Yeah. So it'll have, it'll have two different. So I have lone adults that I need to get mates for, but it'll eventually be two different localities of Marulis and then a um, uh, maculosis. So Tamalipans rattlesnakes and Durango Mountain rattlesnakes, and then I, I hope to get more. Um, I'll probably do dusky pygmies in one, and then eventually clobberite in another, um, and then I still have I still have the the giant three foot one for the field eye that i've just been procrastinating doing it you know so and i got a for the backdrop i got a nipper sent me a picture of the negev that he took that where he saw field eye so that'll be that'll be super cool to get like his photos the background on that one too
0: vision cages are single piece molded if i'm not mistaken
1: yes they are which is why they last forever. Yeah. Yeah, a bazillion dollars to make the mold, and then you just pump them out. <laughs> so I'm not going to get rid of any of my visions. I love vision. I'm a diehard vision user. They have their faults. But in my personal opinion, the pros dramatically outweigh the cons. Um, man, how many do I have? I've got one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 15. I've got like fifteen visions. Shit,
0: worth their weight in gold.
1: They, they legit are. They legit are. And I've had to replace glass because I cracked it slamming glass. Or you know, you take the glass off to clean it, and you lean it up against the wall, or you lean it up against like you know the trash can, and you, your 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 shoe touches the corner of it, and it just Hits the ground and cracks and shatters, so I've had to replace a lot of vision glass. Which is why I'm mm. I'm very excited about these black box. Whatever plastic glass they're using, it's, it's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll have to ask Jen because I'm I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, it now, no, it's not the, it's not super soft. Like no, the, like the plexi that I had on the AP cage that Jake had that I used for years. You know, it you looked at it wrong and it seemed like it would scratch and it warped. And I mean, it's granted it's a very old cage, but. This doesn't seem like that same material.
1: Yeah, I, I I imagine eventually I may have to get some kind of plastic runners for the bottom, because I know just from personal experience I'm gonna get sand and grit in that track, and that's gonna slowly start to, for lack of a better word, sandpaper away that bottom acrylic mm-hmm. or bottom plexi, whatever it is. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like like I've I've had some that. You know, you use too abrasive of a paper towel and it left scratch marks, uh-huh. you know, so. Yeah. Well. We're at bedtime. the mark. It's bedtime. Yep. Bill's in the past. He's not that sleepy. <laughs> what
3: the hell are you talking it's, about? You're this, in the, you're I, in the I, same time you are.
1: No, no, you're not. You're an hour behind, I thought, right?
3: I'm on the East Coast, buddy.
1: Are you? Is it really? Yeah. It's crazy. Oh, okay. Why did I feel like that was He's central? Safe house. Why did I feel like that, like your half is central?
3: Oh. Nah, bro. Nah, man, Ooh. I'm in the state that has the Hamburg show. I went there and saw me all kinds of venomous.
1: Oh yeah, and, and any? the
3: door though I, was What's mad. That? I didn't get my free Gaboon at the door. I was mad. So you gotta yeah. name it Phil.
1: For 75 bucks you just <laughs> buy one.
3: <laughs> Did you
1: see anything cool at Hammer now?
3: Oh my God. Uh, tons of actually, it was not I was disappointed with the fact that it wasn't horrible. Uh it's a nice reptile show like the the venomous are all appropriately marked, everything is labeled there're signs that you know they're not selling to kids they um it was much nicer and none of the wildness that everybody talks about um
0: maybe they heard you were coming
3: i do i don't know i there were um tons of really cool turtles it was actually like. It's not big. It's it's kind of small. But um, like for a reptile show that is that size, I thought it was really cool. Um, oh, when McIntyre goes there, like due to his table alone, like all the weird crap he breeds now, like that was he brought a reptile show to his table. That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. I. I'm from Illinois, so I don't see venomous at shows. So it was just cool to see it for me. Um, but yeah, everybody like I went and talked to people um, that had that stuff on their tables. Everything was marked. They put um, they put red tape. And yeah. Every vendor there had red tape yep. on anything that mm-hmm. was venomous. Um, it was, in my opinion, um, all appropriately expensive. There there were very few cheap uh, venomous animals there. Well, that's
1: that's the trend now.
3: There were um, bunches of captive bred venomous animals there. I was really impressed with that. Um, Interesting. A a lot of really, really, really pretty rattlesnakes um, that I dearly wanted to spend money on, but I did not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was... I it's probably like Daytona. I'm sure when I go, you know, ah, you miss the '80s. We were doing blow and driving Lamborghinis or whatever, you know. Um, no, it was I was actually impressed. I'm, I'm glad I went. So
1: that's good, man. That's good.
0: Everyone dressed like Don Johnson. Yeah,
3: right. That's that's the Daytona I want to go to. Uh, oh there's a venomous room over there you got to do a line to even get in
1: like that's that's columbia bro that's columbia well (laughs) i'll never i'll never forget that like what's behind the curtain oh that's the venomous section oh a curtain nice
0: (laughs) right yeah safety first (laughs)
3: yeah safety first
0: security is tip top yep do you have a stamp on your hand of a frog no entry
1: (laughs) that's cool man that's cool and Richard Schubert says 250 for gaboon vipers at his local PA show. Man, they've In- gone up.
0: Inflation.
1: Yeah, legit, legit.
0: Damn it, Biden. I mean,
3: that's not. That's not a cheap. It's not unreasonable, snake, you know. It,
1: yeah, yeah. I well, mean, it- it, and that's that's probably captive bred. But I know, like, import. Like, nobody's importing baby gaboons because the importers want too much money. Right. Because they they see us sell a captive bread for 250, 300 bucks. So they're like, oh, that's how much they go for. That's how much I want at the wholesale level. So it trickles down.
3: Stuff like that, like I I hate the idea of I don't want irresponsible people to own them. Right. But I also don't want like everybody that keeps cobras says that they're just a snake. Like they're not in attitude and danger and things like that. But as far as like feed, they eat crap, lay eggs, have baby. It's just a snake. Like, and so should they be expensive so that goofballs won't buy them? Yeah. But if you're a responsible person doing the right thing and then it's like, Am I paying a goofball tax? Like, they're not hard to breed or keep. Like, that's not fair either. Y- yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, I like the goofball tax, but at the same time, I'm not a goofball, so I don't want to pay it. You know exactly. what I mean? Like,
1: exactly. You said it, man. You said it.
3: Cause that, you know, look at croc monitors. Like, it, it's not a pet, it's not a safe animal, in right. my opinion agreed but for somebody like me like if i'm going to show the public a lizard i it's to my benefit and kind of selfishly i think it's to everyone's benefit if i show the lizard the the public a dragon right right an eight foot eyes like a velociraptor on jurassic park dragon but at four G's for a baby, I'm not doing it. I'll yeah. show them my Argus. Like yeah. you know what I mean? And it
0: They'll get the idea.
3: Yeah, but it's I know why they're doing it, and I'm glad. And and I'm I don't want people to walk around with laces and crocs and get jacked up, but I want one too, man. Like, <laughs> like I don't yeah. want to sell a car to buy one.
1: Yeah. Well put. I think it also, like goofball tax aside, it it, it comes okay. in waves where nobody is producing them because they're like, oh, everyone does it. So I'm not going to. Well, if everyone has that, that yeah. attitude, then no one has it. And then it dries up. And then that's yeah. why, you know, 10 years ago, puff adders were $800 when it should be like 25 bucks. So, right. Well,
0: Diffusion look at the uh, responsibility.
3: The guy that did. Um... He did Crocs, Lace, and Black Dragons, and now I don't remember his name. Um, did it, killed it, super successful at it, great, produced a bunch of babies, and then was like, I, I showed that I could do that, I'm, I'm cool, and then yeah. now he doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. And so, like, I know, as a monitor nerd, Lace monitors are cool, But lace monitors breed like every other Australian monitor. It's just that you can't get them. And so I'm not paying Bell's phase lace monitor prices when I know if I wait a little bit because I'm one of those nerds that knows a guy, it'll be half that in two years. Like I'm just not, I'm not giving you eight G's for a lizard that breeds like an Ackie. I can't, I cannot put my brain on that.
1: Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, gentlemen, is there anything else we want to cover before we say goodnight?
0: If nobody knew, this show was brought to you by (laughs) blackboxcages.com. In case you couldn't tell. Which, like you said, we love them. That's why they're a sponsor. We love their products. When we talk about them like this, we're talking about them from an objective standpoint. Legit. They are some of the best. The best. Yeah. On that note, I am biased, but objectively, it's a great product. All of them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then, you know, the uh, Sacred Land of Orcas, Puget Sound. Check them out. <laughs> Puget Sound Pythons, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, we will be back for THP on Thursday. I know it's been two weeks without that. We had the corn starters episode last Thursday, which was awesome. And we were going to do a THP Friday. That didn't happen because Jake was going down to Florida to hang out with um, Elijah day and Skylar and pick up some stuff and whatnot. So
1: glad I got a phone call
0: should be back Thursday.
3: And Supposedly there were shenanigans. We got, we got messages was... about shenanigans
1: yeah, I was not um, not uh, invited. We this is be- before I was sick, right?
0: No, oh, I don't know. I was going to go with was him. but uh, yesterday? No, it was. Wait, what's today? Monday? Mm-hmm. He came back yesterday, I think.
1: Oh, so then, yeah, I was sick. But uh, he didn't know, know that.
0: Doesn't matter. Nice. The invitations, all that counts. Yep. Yep. All right. Thank you all. We'll see you later.